0: The food, the food,
1: Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave briefly, and he is on his way in. So, folks, do not fret. You will not be stuck with me for the whole show. Nonetheless, I will do my best uh, to keep up Dave's high standards. Well, we've got a lot to talk about uh, before Dave gets in, and of course, much more to talk about after he arrives. I wanted to talk with you, of course. There's this thing in the news these days. What is that, Zach? That's going on. What is that? That impeachment something? Is it something's going on with that? I don't try not to pay too much attention to that. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, because I'm getting tired of it as well. Well, it's it's remarkable, right? It's just the same thing, and. Adam Schiff with those uh, p- painted on rosy cheeks of his. I-, I cannot listen to him anymore. I
2: can't even look at the guy oh, I mean, it Just like he's trying to smile at one point. just It just looks so weird. I'm it, like, you know what? I'm done with this.
1: You know, he's he's from California. Maybe that explains it. Um, in any event. There's a lot of talk about President Trump wanting investigations and being concerned about. Corruption in Ukraine, and I thought the first thing that I could talk about is my personal experience that relates to this issue. I was a Fulbright scholar in Poland in I think fifteen slash sixteen, and I was teaching in Warsaw, and I taught in an international program that was, of course, taught in English. My only uh, fluent language is English. at At a school in Warsaw, and most of my students the majority of my students were from Ukraine. And I said to them, why are they going to school uh, in Warsaw? Now, this, if you remember, was a time that Russia had invaded Ukraine. But most of these students were not from that portion of Ukraine. They were from essentially the other side of the country. So while as uh, traumatic as it may be to have Russia invading Ukraine, That was not a dramatic concern of those people living on this part of the Ukraine in which they lived or this part of Ukraine in which they lived. So I said, why did you come to Poland? Uh, I'm sure there are decent schools, good schools, excellent schools, all of the above, all of the below in Ukraine. And some students highlighted to me, they said, it's entirely corrupt. The whole country is corrupt. And they sa- I said, well, what does that mean in terms of education? They said, well, people basically pay for their grades. Now, it doesn't mean that it's all of them, but this was a dramatic and significant concern of students who were attending school in Warsaw in my class, and they were Ukrainians. Really wonderfully nice people and smart, and the, my students had a terrific command of the English language. Now, you needed to have that in order to be in this special international program in the first place. But the point that I'm trying to bring out is that Ukraine had become well-known, even in Ukraine, for corruption. So the notion that the president was was and is concerned about this should not be surprising. The other thing that's relevant is, remember, Russia invaded Ukraine and Ukraine uh, and, and Trump, during the campaign, had spoken nicely about Russia and about Putin, at least to the extent that he indicated he, if he were to become president, wanted better relations with the Russians. And then later on, after Trump was elected, he became concerned that the Ukrainians worked against him, Trump, to get elected. Well, this makes sense, right? Meaning, to the extent the Ukrainians believed that Trump was going to create a greater alliance between the United States and Russia, that would not be in the best interests of the Ukrainians as they saw it. And so their apt political motive would be to support his opponent, Hillary Clinton. And so... When Trump now says, notwithstanding the mainstream media's uh, claim to the contrary, that he is concerned that there was wrongdoing in Ukraine regarding Trump's uh, campaign and election, uh, there certainly would appear to be ample motive for that to be the case. So all of these Factors go into Trump's state of mind when he's dealing with Ukraine as president. And he's perfectly entitled to have that viewpoint even if A, you disagree with it or B, it turns out to be factually incorrect. Gosh knows, presidents like anybody else are entitled to be factually incorrect. That doesn't make anything ill-motived. That's the first thing I wanted to talk about when I came to the impeachment controversy. The second thing is this new found claim by the Democrats that what they want to do is charge Trump with bribery. Bribery. Because quid pro quo didn't work for them. Too Latin, apparently. So, bribery. Here's the thing. Bribery has a meaning. It ain't ain't that. In other words, assume for the sake of argument That what the Democrats say is true, even if what they say is true, that doesn't fit the definition of bribery. They say Trump withheld money in exchange for investigation and or dirt on his political rival. Put aside, put aside for a moment that what Trump was interested in was investigating potential wrongdoing, including the highly questionable questionable behavior by the Bidens. Meaning, just because Joe Biden at some point was going to run and did run against Trump doesn't mean he's exempt from examination. So put that aside, assume for the sake of argument that what the Dems say is true. Trump withheld funding in exchange for dirt on his political opponent. How's that bribery? I said the other day on, on this show... If I pay a moving company to come to my house, uh, pick up uh, my furniture and bring it to my new house, and then they come to my new house and they say, oh, guess what? You got to give me another $100 before I unload the truck. That's something wrong, but it's not bribery. It's extortion, maybe, but it's not bribery. So why does that matter? Okay, one wrong, another wrong, because the Dems want to use bribery because that's part of the impeachment locution. So they take a word that clearly doesn't apply and they say, well, look, that's what he did. That's bribery. But by no legal definition is it bribery. And this shows the desperation of the Democrats. Their quid pro quo argument fell apart. So instead of coming up with another argument as to why What they believe occurred was wrong and therefore should fit into some more general category of um, high crimes and misdemeanors. They want to choose locution directly from the impeachment clause so as to make it easy. But they chose words that don't apply. And that's the problem with the Democrats. They are in such a harried rush to get to impeachment. They're not bothering to even sound Coherent They're not even coherent In what they're arguing In fact Schiff Said I believe yesterday He goes well that's It was either yesterday or this morning That's bribery and high crimes and misdemeanor Wait what What Those are three separate categories And you say it's all of them It's sort of like When the bell on the clock Rings 13 o'clock well, you might be, there is no 13 o'clock, right? Exactly. And if your clock rings 13 o'clock, when it rang 11, you might think, hey, maybe 11 wasn't right either. So when Shift says it's everything, it's bribery, it's also high crimes, it's also misdemeanors, even though those are mutually exclusive, largely categories, doesn't matter. It's all of it, it's a big jumble. It's a, it's, a, it's a big grab bag. There's no claim of logic. There's no even basic understanding of the law. It's really embarrassing. Now, the flip side is that it's not going to go anywhere. We know that it's not going to lead to a conviction in the Senate. So it's all political theater. Now, maybe the Dems believe that it helps them. Maybe it does. I don't think so. It's, it strikes me that the people I talk to have not only tuned it out, they have come to the apt conclusion that the Dems have gone over the ledge. They don't even want to have a normal conversation any longer. Where are the Dems on infrastructure, by the way? Infrastructure is what the Dems claim is their wheelhouse. And President Trump had said, I'd be interested in doing something on infrastructure because it comes from a building background. Have we seen anything from the Dems on that? Of course not, because they're preoccupied with impeachment. So why don't we take our first break now, Zach, and we'll come back and we'll continue this conversation. This is a Dave Ellswick show. I am Robert Steinberg, sitting in for Dave just for a brief bit. And we have gotten notice where it has come across the wire. Dave is on his way in. So you won't have to suffer just hearing my voice alone. Hey, Zach, you know, we've got some wonderful audios that pick up on what we were talking about before the break. Uh, Let's go to uh, Senator Graham and hear his comments that uh, build upon, not directly, of course, because we had no private conversation, build upon what I was saying uh, on the bribery definition. Here's the, the allegation now, I think is bribery. Isn't that the new term we're using? Here's the question. Who did the president bribe and what did he get for it? Be specific. I think bribery is a made-up political charge without any factual basis. The president of the Ukraine, who represents the government of the Ukraine, says the president never put any pressure
3: on him or ever talked to him about investigating Hunter Biden or Joe Biden in return for military aid. Uh, And they weren't investigated and the money
4: flowed. So nothing's changed from my point of view.
1: Well, and that's exactly the point, right, Zach, that we were talking about. Bribery is not the word that applies here. And the Dems are so desperate to shoehorn this in to their impeachment inquiry that, oh, yeah, 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 that's bribery. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's high crimes. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's misdemeanor. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's all of the above, baby. It's everything. If you say it's everything, it's likely nothing. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's likely nothing. Oh, he puts on his pants two legs at a time. That's that's impeachable. That's a high crime. That's a misdemeanor. And it's bribery to boot. Really? Really? It's reminiscent of when the other day Schiff said to the former ambassador to Ukraine, Well, you know, Trump just tweeted something negative about you. Yeah? Okay. Surprise, surprise. Really? Trump tweeted something negative about somebody who said something negative about him. All right. By the way, I'm not bemoaning it the way some of these over-the-cliff lefties do. No, I think most people uh, think that Trump probably tweets a little too much, but Trump, uh, Trump's apt response has been, and this is why I'm always cautious when we talk about this, Trump's apt response to his friends who have said that to him, and this is well reported in the news, is it worked to win the presidency. So you try unscrambling that egg. You try to figure out exactly where the right amount is—not too much, not too little. You can be the what? What is that? The 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 three bears in the in the house, right? Too much, too hot porridge, too cold porridge, just right. And so the point is that Trump tweeted something. He was critical of somebody. All right. So what? And then she's, well, you know, it's this this gravity. Trump is from California. I I, I gather he hangs out with too many actors because everything is a melodrama. He's the best overactor I've ever seen. Well, you know, Ambassador, uh, the president just sent out this tweet in which he criticized you. How does that make you feel? How does that make you feel? What's this, a therapy session? How does that make you feel? Would you like to lay down? Would you like some cocoa with little, ma- with little marshmallows in it? How does that make you feel? How does that make you feel? Grow up! Grow up! She said, well, you know, it's, it's intimidating. All right. Well, you know, says Schiff, we will not have any witness intimidation. Witness intimidation? She wasn't aware of it until you, Schiff, made her aware of it. How can it be a witness intimidation if she's not aware of it? Can you explain that to me? And by the way, the definition of witness intimidation is an act that causes a witness not to testify. She was testifying before she was informed of it. During her testimony, she was informed of it. And she continued to testify afterwards. How can that be witness intimidation? She may not like it. But she wasn't intimidated, I'll tell you that. That's his make-believe language of the left, right? Hey, I I don't want to go too far astray on topic here, but this is the same kind of make-believe notion when you see it regarding uh, transgender students, And I've always said when I'm on Dave's show, when I talk about these topics, we, particularly conservatives, but we as people in general, need to make sure we treat all individuals with respect and kindness. And so we shouldn't be uh, treating uh, people from the uh, what I call the gay and trans, because I've lost track, I'm sorry, of the alphabet soup. Sorry! I can't say the whole alphabet! I'm not gonna do it! But we've got to treat folks from the trans and gay community. Oh, well, you don't fit into Well, well I'm a lesbian. I, yeah. You know what? That's all you get. Trans and gay. Pick one of the two. Lesbian, that fits in the gay. You don't like it? Sorry. I'm not doing the alphabet soup. It's enough. So the question is, you've got someone in the trans community. They need... We need to treat all these people with respect and dignity and kindness. But someone is in the trans community is a biologically born male who identifies as female and competes in female sports and blows the women out of the water. I'm sorry. It's called science. Hey, Dems. Hey, Dems. All oh, the Republicans, you know, they're anti-science. This is science. I took the course. It's called biology.
2: Go ahead and put LeBron James in the WNBA. Yeah. Go ahead and do yeah, that. Exactly. Put that six feet a freak in the WNBA. Exactly. And see what he does. It'll be like the Harlem Globetrotters. It would be, gosh, I can't even describe exactly. it. That's exactly. That's how
1: bad that it would be. You know, they say, well, uh, I know a woman who's who's uh, better at tennis and, than my husband is. Yeah, that's not the point. At every level, and we, in competitive sports, we talk about the top level, be it professional, college, High school, at every level, men have more overall physical brute strength. Sorry. Sorry, it's math. I don't know what to tell you. It's basic science. So this is what I'm talking about. It's just, but you can't have that conversation. So they say, well, that that person, born a biological male, who identifies as a female, that's okay. If that person wants to be called Carol, I'll call her Carol. I re- I've got no, but you know, there's some people. I'm not going to call that person. They, I'll call him whatever you want. I'll call Dave Ellswick whatever he wants, even if it's King Ellswick, who's just walked into the room.
5: Just call me for dinner.
1: Yeah, just call him for dinner. But here's the thing: the left wants to tell you that that person, for the characterization of competitive sports, is a female. Sorry. I took biology. Now, I took biology way back when, you know, maybe they updated the textbooks. But when I took it, there was XX chromosome and XY chromosome. And that was pretty easy thereafter to tell who was what. Yes, there's this .00001% of the population that has this thing called intersex, which makes it somewhat more ambiguous. Guess what? None of these folks fall into that category. No. That's not don't. what we're talking about. Dave, I've been railing against the make believe language of the lefties. We're talking about how bribery doesn't mean bribery. No. None of these words mean anything to them. No.
5: That's what the left always does. That's they, right. They change the meaning of language.
1: That's exactly right. It has always been a tactic of the left to control behavior by controlling language. Yep. That's what the, the novel 1984 is about. And so this is what they constantly do, and they're doing it now. But here's the thing. We're pushing back, and we've been pushing back for some time. This was like when Trump was in the election running in uh, 2016, and he said, don't call me a racist. Don't call me these names. I know what the words mean, and I ain't that. I'm the least racist person, he said. So it's, you know, just, it's make-believe language. We're going to go to break, and then Dave will be with us. Yes. Now.
5: All right. Back with you. Yeah. Robert's still here. He's just. Oh, I'm here. Across the table from me, just so you you all know. And uh, keep that in mind. Coming up here in just a moment, uh, we're going to be hearing from Congressman French Hill. Uh, he'll give us his uh, viewpoint of what's going on on the impeachment, which is going to be totally different than what you've been hearing from CNN, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNBC, and all the rest of them. It'll be interesting to hear what he has to say. Did you get a chance to see any of it yesterday, I did.
1: Not a lot. Not a lot because I'm trying to keep my breakfast down. Yeah. But I did see some of it, yes.
5: And did you see how badly these witnesses did under cross-examination? I mean, they did terrible under cross examination.
1: Well, you know, the real question is, what is good or bad in this context? And I'm not trying to be philosophical. What I mean by that is, so many of these witnesses said, well, you know, what I thought the president was doing wasn't good. It uh, wasn't consistent with policy.
5: It, doesn't, it doesn't matter.
1: Right. Exactly. In other words, their their beef was a personal dispute with the president's policy, and guess what? They weren't elected.
5: And if you have a beef, if, you're, if you are working for the president of the United States, if you cannot back his ideas that he is promoting for foreign policy or whatever it is, if you can't get behind him, you need to leave. It's that simple. You,
1: your job is to do the uh, to implement the foreign policy of the president, and if you don't like it, listen. There are a lot of holdover Democrats. If you don't like what the president's doing, then it's time to go. It, it reminds me, st- what was her name? There was the the former, I think, associate uh, attorney general Yates, Stacy, Sally Yates, Stacy Yates, something like that. Yeah. I think Sally. She literally announced her resignation. Uh, say a week out and then the president did something and she said I'm quitting right now good four, four days early Dave Yeah, it, you know what it was it's called an MSNBC application <laughs> that's what that is you already an- announced your resignation and then you jump up and down three days earlier to say I- I'm resigning early that's an application to get a job with MSNBC that's not real You've got more built-up sick days and leave days than you do have uh, a responsibility to even come in the office during that remaining week. So, enough. But that's what goes on with these people. Well, they're
5: career bureau rats, as I call them. That's right. They're just, it's a job to them. That's right. And they start thinking, because I've been here for 20 years, I know better than uh, the the commander in chief president of the united states that's right congress that's exactly even
1: right. that's exactly right
5: you know and we're going to follow what i want to do not what the man who is elected to lead the nation is wanting to do that's exactly right it's a well, you know, terrible the, mistake
1: this um, lieutenant colonel who by the way he, he corrected one of the congressmen he goes Nunes. Uh, yeah i'm not mr what's it what's his name vinman i'm not Nunes. mr vinman i'm lieutenant colonel you know
5: let me tell you about that. Yeah. All right. After being in the military,
1: yeah. I've got my own thought. Card.
5: I have. I have met men who have made lieutenant colonel and colonel and even general. True. Sure. And they want to be referred by their rank. Get over it. It's, it's. You're retired now.
1: Well, this guy, I don't think he's retired, but but it's not that. It's that rank is something that is applicable. To folks in the military. You bump into me in the supermarket, you're hey-bub. And I don't mean that insultingly. Meaning, a little less with the pomp and circumstance, yes, I realize you showed up in your fancy, uh, what's it called, Dave, Class A's, right? Hell yeah. Uh, Class A's with your brass all polished up. But please, uh, it's enough with the jingoism. Oh, well I need to recall. You don't need to recall anything. You know what I tell my students, Dave, in all seriousness? I tell them, in this building, the law school, obviously, you shall address me as Professor Professor Steinbuck. Only in this building is that relevant. Why? Because I'm trying to inculcate a, a culture about what's appropriate at law school, and I disagree with those who are free to make the opposite choice, that the teachers who say, hey, call me Sam, call me Jenny. <clears throat> Listen, when it comes to school, we're not buddies. Why? Because I'm in a position of teaching you and evaluating you. So there needs to be that relationship maintained. Same thing in the military. And that's why you have one of the many reasons in which you have rank. But I also tell the students, outside of class, outside of the building, you can call me anything you want. You you can call me me a a big arse as far as you're concerned. Or, as I mockingly say, don't call me at all. That's even the best.
5: (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to talk to you outside of class.
1: Exactly. Uh, But I would never... <clears throat> ask or expect them to call me professor outside the building. And so he. It, it's just a little bit too showy. It's a little bit too self-indulgent. Well, it's it's that, a little
5: too narcissistic. That is it. It's right? self-indulgent. Yeah, exactly. It really, really is. I I mean, out of courtesy, if I served with these gentlemen, I'll call them by their rank. Sure, I'll say something like, Hey, Colonel, how you doing? Exactly. Because if it's a lieutenant colonel, he's a colonel no matter what. Well, that's the short form. All right. Exactly. So I look at him and say, Colonel, how you doing? But uh, And
1: I do that with cops if I can read their rank. Like, you know, Three Stripes, I know, is a sergeant, right? Say, right. Hey, stri-. it's easy. As opposed to, hey, Bob, hey, Sarge, you know? But it's one thing to be polite and respectful. But if you also said, hey, officer. To a guy with three stripes? Yeah. So technically he's a sergeant, not just an, a, a law enforcement that's officer? Still te-
5: technically, that's showing respect.
1: Yeah, but, and so is mister. So like this whole, this, I've got to interrupt you to tell you that my title is lieutenant colonel. It's, you know who says that? Now, I don't know if this applies to Vinman. I really don't. But you know who generally does that? Those people who are insecure about their titles. Oh, absolutely. That's a thing.
5: So they that's live th- by their title.
1: The, I once recall someone called me doctor because technically a law degree is a doctorate, but nobody uses that because it's not the same kind of doctorate as a medical doctor or a PhD. So I told the person, I said, well, that, you know, if you want to call me by the title, you can use professor. You can just call me Rob. The
6: right. point
1: was there is that I made the point of saying, don't call me by this excessive title. But nonetheless – Vinman thought it critical to say, "Oh, please call me by my full title." You know, I'm
5: I'm of the age now that a lot of people who talk to me call me Mister Ellsworth. Sure, and I I always look at them and say, "Just call me Dave." Right, Mister was my father. That's right. That's right. That's just the way I've always right. felt about right. that. You know, I'm I'd much. Rather be on a first-name basis with somebody. Absolutely. Same here. Always. Always. Same here. All right, let's get a break in. We're waiting for Congressman uh, Hill to give us a call. Uh, that should be happening here shortly. means that's going to be a short interview when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert Steinbach is with me until 4 o'clock. we got a lot to talk oh, about. Oh, yeah. We got, we got Doyle Webb coming up in the Love next it. hour. Looking forward to that. All that's coming your way as we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hold on. All right, back with you. The congressman is with us. Congressman Hill, how are you? It's good to talk to you again.
7: Dave, uh, good to hear your voice. Always thank you for the invitation.
5: Always, always. Because, see, when I have you on, then... The folks that are l- watching these hearings can understand just how stupid they they really, really, really are. I mean, they, there's, it's, this is this is a waste of time and money. That's all it is. And do me a favor: Are you got? Do you don't have shift on your Christmas list? Do you? Uh,
7: no. Uh, however, <laughs> I have ordered a couple of eighteen uh, wheelers full of coal and switches that I may absolutely.
5: I mean, seriously. This guy, is, yep. he's crazy. He's really crazy. I, and I don't understand why people aren't picking that up. By the way, just to speak to that for just a moment. Uh, the other day, ABC and Ipso came out with a poll saying 51% of those that they polled wanted the president impeached. Now, I'm going to ask you, uh, Congressman, how many people do you think that they actually polled?
7: Well, I have no idea. A decent nationwide poll would, it be, would probably be at least 500 independent confirmations, maybe a 1,000.
5: Okay. Well, it was 500 people, but they didn't break down how many Democrats, how many Republicans, or how many independents they talked to. So, in essence— And you
7: don't know, Dave. You don't know when they say, even if it's a national poll, you don't know what geographies they polled. Right. Uh, you know, that's just— All I know is that if you look at polls coming into this week, opposition by independents, which is what I think uh, make the the country go around, uh, it jumped by 10 points week to week. I mean, independents think this is, they just don't see anything that's compelling. So independents now oppose uh, impeachment by 47, uh, up 10 points from just a week ago.
5: Well, that's good. That's that's kind of stuff that means you're paying attention.
7: Yeah, I think, you know, I still think that it's a microscopic group of people paying attention. I did a telephone town hall last night uh, for citizens in the 2nd District in Saline and Faulkner counties on the telephone. A couple of thousand people on there. We see a queue of the questions come up as people log in their question And... There might have been one or two people asking about impeachment, and both of them were giving advice to President Trump, like, don't go up and talk to Adam Schiff was the typical comment. Yeah. Uh, so, I really, um, I'm not sure that Americans are really zeroed in on this. I think it's a very complicated situation. And I, if they did get into the details, like you and I have talked about over the last few weeks, I think the takeaway would be, look, if you want to do oversight of the president's foreign policy and how he conducts foreign policy and get into the details of that, that's his job as commander in chief. But have a foreign affairs committee hearing, you know, have the secretary of state come up and testify uh, to try to turn it into an impeachment inquiry just is killing a gnat with a sledgehammer.
5: I got gotcha. you. Okay, well, you had some main points that you want to make to the listeners about this impeachment, and I'll let you do that. I'll step aside. You talk. No, I'll, I'll listen. I think,
7: I think I think what, you know, we have to go back to the transcript and what people who were on the telephone call say. And if you just look at that, you have to walk away with four key points. One, the July 25th phone call between President Zelensky and President Trump shows no conditionality or any pressure by President Trump. It's a chatty phone call between the two of them. Uh, Both President Zelensky and President Trump have both said separately several times since then, there is no pressure. It was a good call. It was a helpful call. Uh, I guess the third point would be that, The Ukrainian government wasn't even aware that U.S. security systems assistance was being debated inside the U.S. government on July 25th. Mm -hmm. They weren't aware of it. And then finally, uh, the president did meet with President Serensky, and U.S. assistance flowed to Ukraine before the September 30th deadline without the Ukrainians doing anything, particularly not, as Adam Schiff alleges, uh, investigating President Trump's alleged future potential political rob.
1: Congressman, this is Robert Steinbuck. I'm also a little bit dismayed, and I'm not the first to recognize this, by the pearl clutching going on by the Democrats who are saying, well, you know, it's, a, it's a real dangerous what's going on there in Ukraine, and the president held back some money for them, when all along under the Obama administration, the Dems wouldn't give any aid to assist in actually rebuffing the Russians. Why is this lack of uh, consistency not made a bigger deal? Or maybe it is, and I well, just am not picking you know, up on it. it. Yeah,
7: well, it is absolutely a big deal in each of the testimonies, both in the depositions and in the public testimony. For example, uh, when uh, the ambassador testified, uh, voter nothing Taylor Booth mentioned, The Obama administration did nothing to help the Ukrainians push back against the Russians. Uh, They gave, uh, quote, blankets instead of lethal aid. President Trump, when he was inaugurated, did three things. One, he added sanctions to Russia, against Russia, for the Crimea, for the Ukraine, for Syria, for meddling in the U.S. elections. This doesn't fit with the narrative around uh, progressive newspaper writers that somehow Trump's a Russian agent. Secondly, yep. he named Ambassador Volker as special envoy for Ukraine in order to have a voice to try to get the Europeans to help have a settlement in Ukraine. President Obama did no such thing. And finally, uh, with urging from Senator McCain and others, President Trump armed the Ukrainians and gave them trust uh, tank-busting javelin missiles. So... Everything they're saying is the ultimate in hypocrisy uh, on that subject of pushing back on Russian aggression and helping try to resolve the situation in Ukraine. And the last thing I would say is in 2014, during the Obama administration, we had a strict law that was passed, signed into law by President Obama that said that the executive branch had to certify about corruption in Ukraine before civic or military aid could flow. It requires, it requires that corruption be discussed by the executive branch and the Ukrainians because it's Europe's most corrupt country.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's so it's really remarkable that the left uh, is complaining that uh, Trump is a Russian agent while at the same time he put up far more resistance against the Russians relative to Ukraine than uh, Obama did, and at the same time, Trump aptly is concerned, as you point out, that there's some level of corruption in Ukraine that needs to be dealt with. And both of those things can exist, in fact, do exist at the same time. We need to be concerned about Ukrainian corruption. Go go ahead, sir. Well, well, the president's been very clear
7: about this. He also outlined that exact point in uh, the telephone conference transcript that people can read, the, the Zelensky phone call on July 25th. When he complains, as he does frequently, well, the the Europeans, and he particularly named the Germans, Mm -hmm. aren't doing their share to aid Ukraine in settling corruption, civic aid, military aid. And that's one reason why he appointed in late spring or early summer of 2017 Ambassador Volker to represent the United States to try to urge more European directed solutions to the Ukrainian
1: crisis. Yeah, well, indeed, the, one of the problems with the Russians is that, relative to natural gas, they're in cahoots with the with excuse me the Germans. Is that the Germans are in cahoots with the Russians, and so they don't want to get yep. the Russians angry. So all of a sudden, the the, the high minded Germans who go around Europe and the world uh, preaching what everybody else should do have found themselves in a bit of a conflict, and they're being hypocritical.
7: Uh. No doubt about that. And energy independence for Germany, particularly in Central Europe, is critical. And that's why the world's largest energy producer is now the United
5: States. That's exactly right.
7: And, and we are uh, meeting that need by eliminating in 2015 the export ban on crude and by helping the private sector work with governments to build uh, LNG, liquefied natural gas receiving terminals, uh, both on the Baltic Sea and Adriatic purely to be a source of energy security to Europe. So they're not fully dependent on Russia. It's not that they shouldn't use Russian gas. It's, a, it's plentiful, it's cheap, it's nearby. But it removes the blackmail quotient of Russian political clout in Europe.
1: Indeed, and much like we saw in the 70s, you and I and not many others will remember of that far back, maybe Dave will, but we saw in the 70s when we were being blackmailed by OPEC, and that's the right. problem with a monopoly, is they sell a legitimate product and then they use monopoly power to try to exert too much influence, and now that we are energy independent, we are able to say, no thanks, we're going to go somewhere else.
5: Yeah, we literally no. say, go pound sand. indeed. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I uh, love that.
7: All right, they're signaling me I've got to go on the House floor. We're debating Hong Kong. Our, our Hong Kong freedom bill that passed the House has now passed the Senate, and it's come back for its second passage here on the House floor, and I'm going to go proudly uh, contribute to the debate and then vote for it. All, all right, you Good go luck.
0: do
5: your work, Congressman. We appreciate your time. Thank you, Thank you very much. All right, Congressman French Hill. And uh, dealing with Hong Kong. Glad to hear that they're doing that. Absolutely. Those college students, I feel sorry for them. Well, God bless them. That's looking a whole lot like Tiananmen Square to me. Well, it is
1: Tiananmen Square. And and by the way, why don't we have these... Where are the Dems? Where are the left when it comes to the totalitarianism that is China? I'm not saying none of them say anything, but boy, you see how we're overwhelmed with this hysteria regarding impeachment, and yet... In Tiananmen Square, the uh, communists are—Tiananmen uh, Square, in Hong Kong, same you know, thing these it's days, It's exactly right? the same. Uh, the communists are thwarting, thwarting freedom. Yeah. And we would. oh yeah, well, well thank goodness people like French Hill are there, and they're going to pass this bill, and we're going to have some sanctions. We need to have some and sanctions. That's
5: a good thing. Absolutely. That's absolutely a good thing, and uh, the United States should always— Always come on, down on the side of freedom. That's right. Always. That's right. And that's something that needs to be done. I, I worry about, uh, they made the statement yesterday, the Chinese government saying that they may start using live rounds. That doesn't
1: surprise me. Doesn't surprise me at all. They're you know, a totalitarian regime. That doesn't surprise me at all.
5: It's the same way. Tiananmen Square was the same, same way. Remember, thing. they slowly built up. That's right. Uh, you know, getting really, really serious when they brought the tanks in That's and, right. and they brought the troops in with the bayonets and the whole nine yards. you right. could see the same thing happen again, but this time they sound like they're ready to shoot to kill, yeah, yeah that means you should be thanking your lucky stars that you live in the country called America, the greatest nation on earth
1: more people from around the world, want to come to America than any other country in the world, and that's not by accident.
5: Well, pretty pretty uh, clear yeah. when you look at something like that. Absolutely. This, you know, Absolutely. bottom line. All right, we've got the news coming up. We'll take two minutes uh, or f- six minutes for that. And then uh, we've got uh, Doyle Webb coming, and he'll be joining us, and we're going to be talking about... Uh, uh, the Republican Party of Arkansas. Yeah, he's the chairman
1: of the Republican yes, Party here and, in Arkansas. And we're
5: really going to be talking about this guy that was running against Senator Cotton and found out that all the things that he said about himself, just about everything he's said about himself, is a lie. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't surprise us as a Democrat. <laughs> all right, a break. Dave Ellsworth Show coming back in a moment. Second hour we go here on the Dave Ellswick show, Robert Steinbach in the studio with me, Dave Ellswick. I got in it a little late. Robert took uh, control of the, the station for about a half hour. Uh, got talking about uh, transgenderism and things of that nature. and uh, did a great great job on that. Uh, if you've been following local politics, you know that there was a Democrat, running against senator tom cotton suddenly things started coming out about this democrat that we found was adamantly wrong about what he had said about himself and now he's got he's like gone he's gone to the ground he's he scrubbed his website and all kinds of stuff nobody knows really what happened to him can you bring us up on the latest on this doyle
8: Hey, good, good afternoon, Dave. Good. Glad to, uh, to give a little background because the media was a little confused about what went on. Um, we have what's called a vacancy in candidacy. Uh, it's found in Arkansas Code 7106. And that, that provides that if a candidate is the sole candidate uh, for a party's nomination and should drop out of the race, the party can only replace that candidate if the candidate dies or if the candidate has a serious illness. Okay. Pre-primary, uh, it's, if it was post-primary, it would be called a vacancy in nomination. Okay? Okay. So um, we, had, we had information. Uh, there had been some research done, quite a bit of research, just like you do in any political race. Um, And it was found that he had some difficulty with uh, recalling when and when he had worked and who he had worked for and just uh, tracking some of his his Federal Election Commission reports and finances and that kind of thing. And uh, we issued a press release about an hour after filing closed that we were going to file a Federal Election Commission complaint uh, concerning that. Uh, and we've done that before. We've done that with other federal candidates. And uh, then, lo and behold, we, we did not get any contact. We're suddenly seeing the press that uh, Mr. Mahoney has dropped out of the race, has, has said he has uh, family illness, and, uh, and suddenly just totally drops out of uh, circulation. matter of fact, uh, Michael John Gray learned about it from the press, the Democrat chairman. So we have not heard anything The the party has to notify the governor within 10 days, uh, of getting notice, uh, which I would calculate to be this Friday. If they choose to try and nominate someone else, um, that's a long story. We, we plan if, if, if they do that, uh, we, we expect that the law will be followed and that, uh, uh, either we've got a death certificate, or we've got a, a, a doctor's deposition that he has a serious illness. Or uh, Tom Cotton will run without a Democrat opponent, and there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, it's up to the party to, to have a good candidate. Oh, they're not up to us,
1: yeah, I, th- I think he may have Tom Co- Cottonitis. He huh? got he got a severe case of Tom Cottonitis. He's afraid to run against Tom Cotton.
8: There you go. There you go. I, I've never heard that, but I'll, I'll take that, okay? Right. I'll take that. <laughs> well, i would not want to run against Tom Cotton. Indeed. You know. uh, got a stellar record, I think, uh, and truly a conservative.
0: Now,
5: let, let me ask you, uh, Doyle, because I've heard a rumor that uh, Ukrainians had been delving into this and, and messing with it. Have, have you heard that? <laughs>
8: I haven't heard it, but you know, you never can tell what the uh, what they might do. Okay, uh, you know, uh, uh, who knows? Who knows about that?
5: And the Democrat Party keeps throwing around the term bribery, although yeah. they have they have no no proof of any bribery at all.
8: Right, right, right. Yeah, I I don't. Uh, you know, I I think that what the Constitution means, and I could be wrong, is that uh, someone bribed the president, okay? Not that we are uh, pushing our issues over against another country, okay? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's bribery of a public official. Of course. I, once again, I, have, I haven't done any research. Well, you're yeah. right on the money.
5: You're, you're, you're right there. So bring us up to date on this. How are Kansans? Uh, responding to the impeachment uh, hearings that are going on?
8: You know, my view, and uh, once again, we, we get calls at the headquarters, uh, at the Republican headquarters, people think that the Democrats are just wasting time and money. Uh, why aren't they? Why aren't they working with this president to continue to make progress? Uh, he, he's done what he says he'll do. Uh, he's a man of his word. Uh, you know, lowering taxes, building the wall, uh, placing the embassy in Jerusalem. You know, it goes on and on. Lower, lower uh, unemployment. But you're exactly right. I, you, we're, we're not hearing any blowback. Matter of fact, we're selling mega, hat, mega hats just like they were going out of style. Okay.
5: Yeah. Well, they they said today. Uh, Robert and I were watching uh, a small piece of Fox News coverage today that uh, in Wisconsin, the amount of people that think that this is just a big bunch of hooey has gone up eight points now in the last week.
8: Really? Well, that's good. That's good. Well, if
5: if that happens, how long do you think the Democrats hang in on this? And and if they don't, do they run Adam Schiff out of Washington, D.C. on a rail? (laughs)
8: They should. I I think the Democrats hang on it. I I think they've gone too far to uh, get out of it now. Uh, And I think it will continue to backfire on them.
5: Well, a a week ago, Monday, I was over at the Capitol. Everybody was uh, there that was a Republican. You had to really, really look around to find a Democrat. But the Republicans were there in force. Does does that really make you feel good? Does that make you feel like the state party is stronger now than it's ever been?
8: Oh, absolutely. Dave, we had record filings. We filed 122 individuals uh, for legislative office. 2016, we filed 116. And two years ago, we filed 98. Wow. we're record numbers uh you know we've got a lot of primaries i once again uh i'm a believer in primaries i think that's how you set the tone of the party uh because you are reflecting what the people want if they if they do not like the representation that they're getting within the party then someone needs to step forward and run uh for that office so no i and and let me tell you this uh we've always known the 3rd District and the 2nd District were Republican areas, right. but the hot, hot bed of Republicanism is in the 1st District and the 4th District now. The, the, it, they are hard conservatives in both those areas. We had record filings for justice of the peace in the in the 1st Congressional District and in the 4th Congressional District. It's just remarkable uh, how this has now... T- move down to the county level and that that makes me feel good because we've got a bench you know we're going to have a bench for the future and uh, people will be tested at those jp levels to see who's the conservative and who's coming along i think it's great doyle i went
1: down to that meeting in pulaski county uh, of the um jp's uh, when they're trying to move
0: yes. the the yes.
1: right the authority from the election commissioners that have now turned out to be Republican majority because of the change in in the composition in the state of Arkansas. And so now the Democratic clerk and the Democratic JPs are trying to take the staff away from the election commissioners and put that in the hands of the clerk. And it's clearly, transparently, a partisan move. What do you have to say about that?
8: Well, you know, let's go back to 1966, when Governor Rockefeller was elected, and under Arkansas law at the time, who, whichever party held the governor's office, was the majority party. Right. And all election commissions would shift. Well, soon, the legislature could not come in session quick enough, the Democrat legislature, Of course. and change the law. So that you had to hold a majority of the constitutional offices right, to be right. that. And so what was accomplished in 66 was reversed, and now we're seeing blatant partisan politics being played out at the Pulaski County Courthouse. We've always known it was there, but it wasn't always as blatant as it is today.
1: Yeah, the article in the Dem Gazette said, well, there was an undercurrent of... Partisanship that wasn't spoken about Too much I, w- I was scheduled to speak But then I had to go to class I was teaching a night class that day So I left just before they called my name But when they have that next hearing uh, Be forewarned I'm going to go And I'm going to say what it is It's a yep. partisan grab for power and we republicans are not going to stand idly by and let them do it do it without us taking notice without us calling them out on it and without that's us right. campaigning on that issue
8: that's right and you need to uh you need to read the news from today it appears that the county judge is going to attempt to do this on his own oh my goodness and, bypa- and bypass the quorum court oh wow my goodness. Uh, Take a look at that. I, I will. You know, I, have, I don't have the details on it, but he, in other words, uh, the county judge, back when the ordinance pa- passed, agreed to it, and now this county judge is going to attempt to usurp the power of the legislative branch and take the authority himself. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'll check that out. Check it out. Check yep. it
5: out. Doyle, I don't know if, if you're aware. I just was made aware of this, but Hunter Biden's paternity? Yes, shows yeah. that he, indeed, is the father of the uh, baby of this Arkansas woman.
8: I heard that he was handing out cigars. <laughs> the lawyer, you know?
5: Yeah, something tells me I, I it wasn't exactly that
8: way. Clint uh, Lancaster, here in Benton, uh, filed the suit of the paternity action. And uh, he, he might be someone good to get on the radio sometime. Clint Lancaster uh, was the attorney that represented the young lady up in... Uh, uh, I believe that it is so. And you know those paternity ca- paternity uh, actions and the blood test, DNA test. Uh, what are they? Ninety nine point nine 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 percent correct. You know? Yeah. So I think he knew that uh, he was getting ready to hand out cigars, and that's the reason he gave in and and had the blood test and so forth. So, all right. Congratulations, and that makes Joe Biden a grandpa. It
5: does. It will. Absolutely. uh, Send him some greetings there. We'll all have to do. I think I think you just gave me an idea. I think I'm going to get a big congratulations card and have the listeners come by and sign it and send it to him.
8: There you go. There you I think that'd be appropriate.
5: I think that would be appropriate. Okay, before I let you go, one last thing, because I know you got some stuff coming up here very shortly. Uh, How do you see this whole impeachment playing out? You think that the Democrats are all in? They put their chips in the middle. They're going to do the impeachment and then get shut down in the Senate. Is that how you're seeing this? Yes,
8: yes exactly. You know, let's just let's just let's assume the worst, okay? Let's assume that the president did what the Democrats said that he did, okay? Let's right. Let's just assume that. Should that remove a president? from office when you have an election less than a year away, okay? Even if you didn't have that election, does that amount to what it takes to remove a president and to uh, undo what a majority or or certainly a majority of the electoral college put in place? I don't think so. You know, uh, you know, let's say you, you, you violate the speeding law, okay? You shouldn't have your car taken away and restricted for the rest of your life that you can't drive, okay? You may have violated. So under the worst-case scenario, I don't see the Senate taking anything, any action to convict the president. And I think the other problem that they'll have is that the federal rules of civil procedure will apply in the Senate when the Chief Justice sits as the judge and it does not allow hearsay testimony. And I think they're gonna have some difficulty with all the hearsay. That's
5: all they got.
8: That's right. That's right.
5: I mean in so, all honesty, that's all they got is all hearsay.
8: Right, 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 right.
5: There's so, no there's no emails, there's no text messages there's
8: nothing. There's no smoking gun.
5: That's exactly right.
8: No smoking gun. Absolutely. So I'm glad you're back, Dave. I'm glad you're back.
5: Well, I'm glad to be back, and we'll continue to talk the seriousness of what's going on in Washington, but also the seriousness of what's going on here in the state of Arkansas. Doyle, you you, you continue to do a great job. We appreciate Thanks. your time and I'll let you get on to the other meeting you have coming up. Thanks, Tom. Have
8: a great day. All right. Bye-bye now. Thank you.
5: All right. Doyle Doyle Webb, who is the chairman of the uh, Arkansas GOP. And for anybody who wants to argue with me and say, well, he's not really done that great of a job, I ask you to go back about five years and look at the Arkansas GOP then and look at the Arkansas GOP now. He has been... I think a fearless leader, I think he's done a very good job. He's good until December of next year, and then he'll step
1: down. then he turns into a pumpkin,
5: yep, we'll have to figure out what he's going to do from there. He's keeping that real close to his vest right now. All right, let's take a break. we've got to do that, then we'll come back and finish up this half hour. get to the news. We still got more things to talk about. Robert Steinbach is here in the studio with me I'm dave Ellswick's Dave Ellswick show. I, when I come back, I'm going to talk about the doctor and the nurses that treated me today and did such a great job. They deserve to be mentioned on my radio show. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick's show. We got three minutes? We do. Yeah. Yesterday, Secretary of State Pompeo talked about the West Bank settlements. It was very important what he said. I want Robert to listen to it because uh, he spends a lot more time with the specifics of what's happening in, in Israel, rightly so. He's Jewish. And uh, I want to get his thoughts on it. So sure. this is from yesterday, last, uh, I think, cut six, if I'm not mistaken. Remember yesterday, here is uh, the Secretary of State.
6: Turning now to Israel. The Trump administration is reversing the Obama administration's approach towards Israeli settlements. U.S. public statements on settlement activities in the West Bank have been inconsistent over decades. In 1978, the Carter administration categorically concluded that Israel's establishment of civilian settlements was inconsistent with international law. However, in 1981, President Reagan disagreed with that conclusion and stated that he didn't believe that the settlements were inherently illegal. Subsequent administrations recognized that unrestrained settlement activity could be an obstacle to peace. But they wisely and prudently recognized that dwelling on legal positions didn't advance peace. However, in December 2016, at the very end of the previous administration, Secretary Kerry changed decades of this careful bipartisan approach by publicly reaffirming the supposed illegality of settlements. After carefully studying all sides of the legal debate, this administration agrees with President Reagan. The establishment of Israeli civilian settlements in the West Bank is not, per se, inconsistent with international law. I want to emphasize several important considerations. First, look, we we recognize that as Israeli courts have, the legal conclusions relating to individual uh, settlements must depend on an assessment of specific facts and circumstances on the ground. Therefore, the United States government is expressing no view on the legal status of any individual settlement. The Israeli legal system affords an opportunity to challenge settlement activity and assess humanitarian considerations connected to it. Israeli courts have confirmed the legality of certain settlement activities and has concluded that others cannot be legally sustained. Second, we are not addressing or prejudging the ultimate status of the West Bank. This is for the Israelis and the Palestinians to negotiate international law does not compel a particular outcome nor create any legal obstacle to a negotiated resolution third the conclusion that we will no longer recognize Israeli settlements as per se inconsistent with international law is based on the unique facts history and circumstances presented by the establishment of civilian settlements in the West Bank our decision today does not prejudice or decide legal conclusions regarding situations in any other parts of the world And finally, finally, calling the establishment of civilian settlements inconsistent with international law hasn't worked. It hasn't advanced the cause of peace. The hard truth is there will never be a judicial resolution to the conflict and arguments.
5: Okay, so I left you with that about three minute and 20 second uh, piece from the secretary of state. And a, a lot of you are going, what's important about that? There was a lot of important things that this Secretary just said. And for you who are out there and go, Dave, you talk about Israel all the time. Why do you talk about you Israel? You have an Israeli
1: flag hanging in this office yeah. next to the American Because I'm a Zionist.
5: Flag. That's right. I believe in Israel. That's right. You know, they're our, they're our closest ally. And only
1: democracy in the
5: Middle East. Yes. I mean, why wouldn't I support them? Of course I support them. And, and you who, you know, think they're Jesus killers or whatever— you know, you need to go and study your history a little bit. Well, but, you got to study your Bible, actually. Yeah. So the bottom line you is... you got to study your
1: Bible. That's just... Uh,
5: you know, it's, it's, that's foolishness. It's absolute foolishness. With that said, why don't you take what the Secretary of State was saying and explain why it's so important and notice how he tied it back to Ronald Reagan.
1: Yeah, of course. So Israel was created in 1947 uh, to come into creation, I think, in 48 by U.N. mandate. The land was controlled by the British. Remember, this was the time of empires. Before wait, wait, let me show you.
5: It wasn't controlled by the Palestinians? Exactly. exactly. They
1: didn't own the land? Not only that, the British got it uh, uh, from the Turks, from the Ottoman Empire. And before the Ottoman Empire, another empire, and another empire. So in, in the state of Israel, Jews have always lived... Since from before the time of Jesus, now there have been it's it waned and it's grown, depending on who was in control. The Turks didn't like the Jews. The English didn't love the Jews. The Greeks didn't love the Greeks the didn't Gru- love the Jews. The Romans, Romans didn't, didn't love like the them. Jews.
5: Yeah, right.
1: So there were challenging times for Jews throughout history for living in Israel.
5: Absolutely.
1: Nonetheless, Jews lived in Israel since before the time of Jesus. There were many other peoples that lived in Israel, and there's a group that now identifies themselves as Palestinian, claiming that they had lived in Israel for some time. Less than the Jews, mind you, but for some time. Okay, meaning I don't need to get into a debate over that. Okay, whatever. So in 1947, when the UN, when England said, we will give up control of this land and the UN can decide what to do with it, the UN decided to divide it. Doesn't that sound fair? No, And they yeah. said, we'll give half to the Jews, uh, uh, half and half, meaning I don't remember the exact measurements, but let's just all say right. half to the Jews and half to the Arabs.
5: Except the Arabs said... No dice. That's no right. Thanks. They turned that, that, that they turned deal down. down.
1: They thumbed their nose to that deal. They never found an opportunity to miss an opportunity. And so they turned it down. The Palestinians and all the surrounding Arab nations attacked Israel uh, my father served in that war by the way, uh, and they lost sorry, they lost now if, the, if you want to yeah.
5: read a book about that, yeah, read Exodus.
1: My uncle and my grandfather were on the ship, exodus, which uh for your listeners was a ship sent uh, out of Europe after World War II and turned around by the British in Israel before the British gave up control of Israel, and the Jews were sent back to Germany after the Holocaust. Correct. And it made a strong statement, look, even after all of this, uh, the British uh, are unwilling to let the Jews into the land of Israel, their biblical homeland, by the way. And so uh, in, at the end of the uh, War of Independence in '48 the country was still roughly divided half and half between Arabs and Jews. It was slightly reconfigured, needless to say, as a function of war. Interestingly, Jordan took the part of the, what would have been the Palestinian country next to Jordan, and Egypt took, and that's what's known as the West Bank, and Egypt took the land that was next to Egypt, and that's what's known as Gaza. Where, why didn't they just create a Palestinian state then? That's a good question. Yeah, huh. isn't that interesting? So, no state was created then, and then in uh, '67, well, there was a, there was a conflict in, in '57, I think. Uh, my mother served in that conflict, incidentally, uh, and then uh, in '67, uh, the big one was a big war, and Israel uh, gained control in a defensive war after they were. Uh, where, when the Arabs were moving in on Israel.
5: A little history. Right. Look up Nasser.
1: Right. Uh, and Israel took control of what's commonly known as the West Bank and Gaza. What would have largely been the Palestinian state had the Arabs agreed to the deal offered to them in 1947. But they said no. And so Israel took control of those lands and has maintained largely well, it maintained most of that control, they had, uh, in 73 they took control of the Sinai Desert which roughly connects to Gaza but uh, closer a part of Egypt, and they gave back that to the Egyptians as part of the peace accords with the Egyptians so Israel, Israel maintained control over Gaza and the West Bank, and guess what that's what happens in war, particularly a defensive war, when you when the Arabs are moving in on you and you win, you take control of the land. And Israelis moved into parts of that land. Mm-hmm. Live on part of that land. Sure. Perfectly normal. None of the Arabs were, were kicked out of the West Bank or Gaza and told to go to Egypt or Jordan. Nope. They, uh, uh, after the war, they were free to live on their land. But the Arabs claim that Israel can't ha- exercise, essentially, any control or dominion over that land, can't build on that land, can't live on that land. Uh, they say no Jews allowed.
5: All right, and, so that was the mid-'60s. Then right, we move and, into the early-'70s.
1: Right, and then, of course, the the big lefty, um, Carter, said, you can't build any settlements. Well, who asked you? And Reagan and said— And what gives right, you the right to say exactly, that? Exactly, exactly. It's not your land. Not your land. And you didn't fight for it, by the way. Reagan said, no, no, no. The question of what to do with that land is a question of what a a political process resulting from wars started by the Arab countries. And so Reagan said, yeah, that's just silliness. Now fast forward, and there was, of course, intervening events as well, but fast forward to Obama. And for those that claim, including Obama himself, that he was always a great friend of Israel, hogwash. Obama was no friend of Israel. Obama used every attempt he could uh, to go against the political regime of Israel. The one thing Obama did was continue the trend, the effort of all American presidents to afford Israel uh, ample opportunity to get um, defensive weapons or uh, weapons. I don't know what you call them, defensive or not. Weapons. Uh, and Obama continued that, and for that he deserves credit. But politically, he acted against the interests of Israel on virtually every opportunity they had. And, Absolutely, uh, and, they and did. And so did Kerry, who is an, a, a leftist. And both of them are these, they're internationalists, and they're anti uh, American um, superiority. And they want the world to be, well, well, we've got all these Arab countries out there, and we need to appease them. No, no. We don't need to piss them off for no reason, but we do not need to appease them. And the fact is that Israel won that land after Israel was the um, where the Arab countries were the aggressors, uh, and Israel aptly and legally exercises dominion over that land and can, amongst other things, have people from Israel live on that land. And if the Arabs want to change that outcome, they're perfectly welcome to enter into a negotiated Come solution. Come to
5: negotiate negotiating That's right. table. And if they
1: don't want to, by the way, they're free to do that too.
5: Which is what they have what chosen they to they do over to. the last what, right. 30 years.
1: Indeed. And moreover, the problem with negotiating often is you negotiate with one group and then the other group shoots rockets from Gaza. And so you can't have a real negotiation if the Arab community... Uh, in the Palestinian uh, self-decried uh, lands can't speak with close to one voice. It's There's too much terrorism going on uh, from the Arab side, and at this point, uh, until that dies down, uh, there can't be any realistic opportunity for peace.
5: Okay, so, so Robert... For many, many, many years after Israel was first founded, the United States was their closest friend. That's right. I mean, to Mayer and all right. the other, the, 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 uh, their founders, so to speak. That's right. Uh, we were very close friends with, with our country. When did that change, and why do you think it changed?
1: Well, it's a good question. Um, Jimmy Carter was no great friend of Israel. He, uh, he thought that uh, Menachem Begin, the then prime minister, was um, too slow to enter into the peace accords. Ultimately, he did, of course, and Carter was pleased by that. When it was
5: to the Israelis' benefit, which uh, is what you always do with negotiations. That's
1: right, that's right. But uh, Carter um, thought, uh, Carter, like most of the lefties, was far more of an internationalist, was far more against American superior power across the globe. Um, The first George Bush... Uh, had a lot of close ties to Saudi Arabia, and Saudi Arabia at that point, uh, unlike now, by the way, where they realize otherwise, uh, was far more um, wrapped up in the rhetoric of a Palestinian yeah, state, pushing
5: them back into the Mediterranean. That's right. and all of that. That's
1: right. Uh, and then um, um, Reagan, like I said, was 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 very pro-Israel. Uh, the the second George Bush was uh, very pro-Israel. Um, um, Clinton was not. Clinton was, again, more of this internationalist ideal and kept trying to push for a settlement. Ultimately, the end, Clinton became somewhat more friendly towards Israel when he himself tried to negotiate with the Palestinians and gave them virtually everything they could ever have dreamed of. And Yasser Arafat, like I said, never knowing an opportunity, having an opportunity to 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 miss an opportunity did so. And then um, Clinton sort of then finally lost the taste uh, for the sympathy uh, for the position of the Palestinians. And then Obama came in, and Obama, as I said before, and I'll say again, is uh, politically downright anti-Israel the same way He's was. He's
5: anti-Semitic.
1: Well, I don't know if that's true or not, but he's anti-Israel. No, I, for I sure. think
5: for right. for for sure, Kerry is anti-Semitic. He has said things. Kerry's sound- just
1: a narcissist uh, and and uh, so enamored with his the sound of his own voice. He's really one of the most dangerous people who has ever served in government because of that. Of course, he brought about the terrible Iran deal, and that's just evidence of how narcissistic. He is because he wanted his name on that deal, notwithstanding that the substance of that deal was awful for the United States. And thank goodness the president pulled us out of it. And so now President Trump took over, obviously, after Obama, and he started setting things right. He moved the, the um, embassy to Jerusalem like Republicans and Democrats both had promised but neither had done. Uh, He's restoring the position of the United States to that of Ronald Reagan, which is we don't decide for the Israelis what they're going to do with the land that they uh, properly occupied after defending themselves uh, from the aggression of Arab countries and Arab peoples. Uh, And so we are seeing the wrong being righted by the Trump administration and Jews and Christians and others alike who are fair-minded and in favor of democracy recognize that what Trump has done, is doing, and will do is all for both the betterment of our allies, but betterment for the world as well.
5: I agree. I like to do that from time to time. Robert is very good at giving you a historical overview, because what you hear from Omar and some of the Ugh. others in the House is nothing but a fabrication in lies that the leftist has, has put and together. And pure
1: ignorance. Absolutely pure ignorance. They I mean, have no idea. Seriously. But, yeah. All right. Let's take a break. We'll
5: come back. Final break for this hour. And then Robert and I will finish up our time together today. He's going to be back with me again on Friday. And uh, we'll uh, just open it wide open on Friday and everybody can get into the, into the conversation. With that said, here's our break on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we've got about eight minutes left with uh, Robert Steinbach sitting across from me. So, Robert, today yes, at the at the uh, impeachment hearings, right? Here's what happened. I'm, I'm just in a nutshell. You had a Ukrainian diplomat, well, not Ukrainian, but an American right. diplomat for the, for the Ukraine, who got up and said, "I never heard the president ask for a quid pro quo, but." You know, I kind of felt that way. That's not going to cut mustard, especially as it was mentioned uh, today by Doyle Webb, that when the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court sits down to preside over the trial, uh, if he gets that far, in the Senate, anything that's hearsay, anything that's just conjecture, Is not going to be even considered. It must be solidly, easily provable evidence.
1: That's the way it should be. That's the way a trial is supposed to proceed.
5: Right. You know, so this is all just a waste of time.
1: Well, it's all just politics. If anybody thinks what the Democrats are doing is anything but a political stunt to get attention— then they're not paying attention. But here's the irony. Those who do pay attention realize there's no there there. Now they've got their left-wing hangers on, and they're loving it, but they they were never voting for Trump. So there's no change there. So I don't think this is going to have any positive effect on the Dems, and I do think that there are going to be a lot of people in the middle that get turned off by it. But to be clear, We'll have to see. I, don't, I can't tell you for sure what's going to happen, but I can tell you the people that I've spoken to, and they're not all hardline conservatives, uh, seem to think this is much ado about nothing. So I really wonder what ultimately the effect will be, and I think there's a significant likelihood. I would bet in favor of the likelihood that people are going to be turned off by this And it's going to hurt the Democrats, not help them.
5: Okay, so you're originally from New York. That's right. All right. So tell us a little bit about this Congresswoman Stefanik.
1: Yeah, I don't know her, actually. She's in upstate New York, and I grew up uh, in downstate New York. And as the titles suggest, they're disparate. But she seems to be on the ball. She's taking them on, and she's saying, hey, I'm going to call it the way I see it. So I'm pretty impressed with uh, what she's done so far.
5: Yeah, she's done very well. I mean, she said today, you keep saying a bribe,
1: right? What's you the keep bribe? Saying what, What's the bribe? Where is Who it? Who paid what for That's what? That's
5: exactly right.
1: It's it's not complicated.
5: Explain to us right? where the bribe was the and lang- they can't do it. The
1: language of bribery uh, I mentioned uh, before you arrived, Dave. Uh, is just sheer nonsense because bribery exists in the impeachment clause. So they say, "Oh, well, that's bribery." Well, you know, it's like it's like pointing at an apple and saying, "That's a banana," <laughs> but that's not a banana. Yeah, but I get free bananas, so that's a banana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's not a banana. No, that's a banana because I said because it's it's I a said ban- it's a banana, and the yeah, only that's thing that's bananas thing are the Democrats. Yeah, they're bananas.
5: Yeah, they're real big bananas right now. So. You know, I just wonder, we were mentioning this during the time Doyle was on. right? Uh, Looking at the state of Wisconsin, which is not an enclave of conservatism. No, by no means. All right. Eight percent of the uh, registered voters there now think this is a waste of time and it's BS. Right. And the president's uh, uh, ratings in the country have gone up two percent. Right. How long – now, Doyle thinks that the, that the Democrats are so far in that they can't get out. Well, think Do about you it. Do you think they, that?
1: I, I think – yes, but I think it's even a little bit broader than that. They put all of their eggs in the Mueller basket, and then Mueller came to testify, and all those eggs were cracked. And they're like, wait a second, we've got our whole script for impeachment, it's right here, we're holding the script. So then like two days later, they pick up a a dirty Twix wrapper off the ground, and they say, well... This is our next uh, motivation, meaning they just hobbled together a bunch of nonsense. There's nothing there, but they have so gone down the path of impeachment that they were just looking for anything. And Schiff orchestrated with this so-called whistleblower to file this document all in cahoots with each other. And they started using their old script that they were going to use with Mueller on this issue with Ukraine. The problem is they're trying to hammer a square peg into a round hole. It don't fit. And it's apparent. And they, and they look silly doing it.
5: Now, if you remember about a year ago when Pelosi became Speaker of the House again, mm-hmm. she said, I'm going to serve two more years.
2: Oh, I don't recall. Do you okay. remember that? I don't. Yeah. But she I said think two more not. years. Yeah. So
5: here's here's my question: two years would put her at the end of next year's election. Okay, and then she can walk away and say, "Not my fault. I'm out."
1: Yeah. Well, that's a good question. You know, she's. She's been straddling the line on impeachment from the get go. Well, I'm not ruling it out, but I'm not. I don't think we're there yet.
5: It must be bipartisan. Yeah. Well, that was the big thing. That's right. From the very beginning, and we see where we've ended yeah, up. Find
1: at. me one Republican in the House that's, that supports a vote for impeachment. Zero. Zero. Because. I, I bet you there may be, uh, I bet you there will be, excuse me, defections from the Dems. It won't even be unipartisan, if if there is such a word. Meaning, like right? That. I made it up. Unipartisan, uh, right? that's good. Yeah, it, it's not even going to be Democratic, because they're not, they're not going to be able to even get all the Democrats. Yeah. No, absolutely not. So they really have a problem. Uh, and as Doyle aptly pointed out, I don't know which direction they can go, because... If they go forward, they look foolish. And if they go backwards,
5: they look foolish. They're, st- they're stuck. Yeah. They really are. They're yeah. stuck. Robert, thanks for coming it's my in. my pleasure. Always a pleasure to have you here. We'll be back together again on Friday. Thank you. God because, bless. Because uh, Robert has time off now.
1: Some, yes.
5: Yeah, got a little time for right. the holidays. That's right. And then he'll have holiday time at the uh, at Christmas break. Yep, absolutely. And uh, we'll have him on more often because he really is good about giving you some yeah, real interesting internal looks at the issues that are affecting our country. I try my best. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. We'll see you. Coming up, we got folks from Bumper to Bumper going to join us, and then we've got folks from Harding University that are going to stop by. That's the rest of today's show here on The Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM, The Answer. in the saddle, and the guys from Bumper to Bumper are here, and it's always good to see them. Joe and Duck are here, and we got some other guests with us as well here in the studio, and we'll introduce them to you in just a second. Before I do that, though, uh, today I had to go back in the hospital and have the pick line that is in my arm replaced. And a pick line is nothing more than an IV that is kind of a, uh, how do you put it, yeah, uh, it's a uh, permanent type of IV. Yeah. You don't have to stick a needle in your arm every day or whatever. Me and Joe could have did that. Yeah, I know you guys could have done it.
2: We stand back and throw darts
5: at it. A couple big shots before you did it.
2: <laughs> what got but, a hammer. Uh,
5: anyway, doctor Ken Robbins uh was the doctor who, who led the team that did this. Angela Rice and Jay Allen were the two nurses, and they did a fantastic job job number one they had to give me a shot to numb up the area uh and it it, it's i forget what uh, the name of the drug is but they used it back when i played college and i used to hate that stuff they used to take syringe with a big needle and stick it into my shoulder and inject it uh, with that and cortisone yeah
2: but that's so you can keep on playing yeah,
5: well yeah Well, bottom <laughs> line this is so I can keep on breathing <laughs> and, uh, they, they, they did a really good job today I Mean good. really good job and here was the funny part about it he's leaning over and talking to me he says what are you going to talk about today he listens to the show what are you going to talk about today he says well there's only two things to talk about is it razorbacks Or impeachment. I said, that's close. That's close. Real close. Yeah, that's pretty close. So anyway, we sat and talked Razorback football for a while because I'm tired of talking about impeachment, to be honest, especially all the BS that's coming out of the Democrats. But anyway, with that said. Can we just not fire them all? I wish we would fire them all come November of next year. With that said, Joe, introduce our guests here
3: yes in the studio we have tom singleton from bumper to bumper he's the operations vice president and okay. jerry rocha everybody, knows, everybody jerry, knows jerry
5: <laughs> if you if you don't know him, Surely by now. just listen to yeah. my saturday that's show it. that i do with them and you'll hear jerry questioning me by text all show long
3: well he has questions and he wants us to address that's and he, true he'll send us all a little group text so make sure one of us gets it you know
5: and he does a good job absolutely all right. um, they're good questions. So, Tom, I need you to move up on that mic and tell everybody exactly what your job is.
4: Well, Dave, the problem with that is show's not long enough. <laughs> okay. Well, that's okay. That makes my, makes my doing the show <laughs> easy. Be Careful what you ask for. I can, I can summarize it for you. I, I have a really long job title that says I'm the vice president and general manager of Crow Game Company, which means that, I'm over 170 company-owned stores in six states.
2: Okay. All right. So you know who's at the top now, Dave, where it's going to roll on down the hill?
4: (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) I'm I'm about third from the top. (laughs) Okay. So
3: (laughs) so basically, if there's a complaint, it goes to you.
4: Yes, sir. (laughs) Ultimately, it ends up – I'm the guy when nobody else will deal with it, they call me and say – what are you going to do? And, uh, <laughs> and most of the time, what I do isn't very
2: popular. Yeah. <laughs> Don't look good on paper, does it? Well,
4: the customer is, is one that's a beneficiary of that most of the time. Is they say, just take care of the customer.
3: That's what we need to do. It's what we always do. Yeah, that, that, that's you know that's where I was getting with that because, you know, you, you guys as far as taking care of us, you know, installers, uh, certified service centers, uh, you take care of us really well. But anytime we have a problem— you know, we have uh, access to you guys. Every one of you is easy. It's a phone call away. Right. And that's, that means that whatever the issue is, if Jerry, you, or any of the guys that, uh, over there at the distribution center are going to help us, help our customer and take care of them. That's correct.
4: That's, that really, uh, our company, is. everybody, I'm sure all your listeners know, we've been in business for 100 years this year. and
3: Fantastic.
5: Uh,
4: i got to tell
3: you, that's the reason we've been around for 100 years is we put the customer first. That's great. And and really, what I like, I want you to tell your story about how long you've been there and how you got there, and 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 is we got enough time for that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Dave, we've well, we had to go two hours a day. You might, no, it might.
4: Um, well, I started with the company in uh, nineteen seventy six, so this is my forty third year. My official anniversary date is uh, August the first, but. When I gave my previous employer two weeks' notice, I worked for them Wednesday through Sunday. So the two weeks while I was had given my notice, I worked unofficially. So I actually worked two weeks for Crow Game before I ever came to work. I went Monday I'd go Monday and Tues or Monday and yeah Monday and Tuesday and work in the store I was going to take over, and then I'd go work. I worked out my two week notice, and then I started on the first. So that's wild. Yeah. I- I was. Uh, I started with the company uh, as a store manager in Benton, Arkansas, and at the time, uh, of course, you can see I'm a young man still. But yeah. 43 years ago, I was, sure enough, kind of wet behind the ears young guy, and uh, I was really pretty, you know, pretty puffed up about the opportunity to be a store manager and come in as a store manager and all that. And now, 43 years later, and being in the position of the guy who hired me 43 years ago. I can look back on that, and I realize that they put me into a role that that store was so broke that I couldn't break it anymore. It would be <laughs> uphill if I just showed up every day and turned the key in the lock on <laughs> time and stayed all day. <laughs> but I didn't know that then. I thought they were, they thought a lot of me and really had a lot of confidence in me. And so uh, we we were really lucky. I had a great group of customers in in Benton, Arkansas, uh, who worked really hard to overlook some of my flaws and help me learn the, the business a little better and uh, when when I left Benton it was a really successful little store running about four people and uh, was doing really well and they asked me to move to Shreveport, Louisiana and take over a store that was doing pretty well and uh, they wanted to bring the fellow that had been running it up to Little Rock and so I went down there and uh, I got a big education down there and had lots of opportunities. <laughs>
5: <laughs> had to learn a new
4: language. Didn't I, you? <laughs> well, that too. But I, I, I was the store manager, and then I was the store manager and the district manager, and I was the store manager and the paint store manager, and then I was the store manager and the, the guy that did IT for the crew. That when we buy stores, <laughs> I'd go do IT and run an inventory crew and do. So I did a whole lot of things in. Uh, Then about 21 years ago or so, they they moved me to Little Rock. And believe it or not, I moved up here, and I was the paint manager for the company. So I was over automotive paint. And then I was the sales manager for the company for a short time. And then uh, they moved me into this role as the uh, vice president of the company. And I've been that for about 20, a little over 20 years. And uh, I would tell you, if I can get another 20, I might figure out how to get it right. <laughs> but I'm, I'm working hard on it every day.
3: <laughs> sounds to me like you already got it right. <laughs> no, I got a lot of good people that got it right, and that's the truth. Now, now I'm telling you, surround yourself with good people is the main thing. Hey, that's what we all do.
4: Yep, that's. I, I believe it's what it takes. So, yeah. you, you got to find one, good people one and give them an opportunity. One person do it on his own. No, and, and give them the opportunity to do what they do. Yes, and stay out of the way.
3: Yeah, you gotta you gotta give them a little rope. Yep. You can't choke them back; otherwise, it just you might as well not even have them there. That's correct. You know.
5: Okay, so twenty-something years as vice president, mm-hmm. biggest changes you've seen during that time?
4: Uh there there have been a number, and if you want to talk about within the company, uh, are uh, the the move from pencil and paper. Into computers and the what? 20, 20 years ago, we were crawling along on on electronic cataloging and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. To now, computers are a way of life. Life. I mean, you just yeah. you don't do anything without a computer. You, you don't you don't write invoices without a computer. You don't look up a part. You don't diagnose a car. I mean, every every one of us, whichever side of the counter you're on, we're all using computers every day. Uh, that's that's a big change it's been it's it's been a, yeah. a big thing and part of that it's changed the dynamic of the people the people that we deal with as customers and the people they deal with on the supply side uh, used to be that if you're a really good parts guy you probably were a pretty fair mechanic and yeah. or had been a mechanic or something like that yeah and nowadays uh, you might have a guy and he's never put a set of points in a car but he's a really good technician Yes. working for joe we asked him how to set t- the points in a ford he probably wouldn't know i got some guys
3: that have never worked on a vehicle that had a carburetor on it right,
2: they, well that, that, I, I got one the other day i walked <laughs> in the shop and russell said dad i got something for you i said what is it he said Psh, i need this overhaul carburetor Carb- Carb- yeah <laughs> he said i can't find a remand with no words and nobody nobody else in the shop could do it yeah they're all looking like can you do this I've, I think I've overhauled a few of them in my life. Yeah. yeah.
5: Well, well, here's you. the key: not too many years from now, there's going to be guys working on cars that they've never seen a car that doesn't drive itself.
2: Yeah. Right. And it's true. coming shortly. I That's mean, true. It, it's it's. Uh, you know, I was reading some. I was doing some reading the other day on these eighteen wheelers running up down the interstate without a cab on them. You mm-hmm. know, and and they're you know they've some out now in Arizona. Yep. Just running up and down through the Arizona State, you know, they're not coming out of Arizona, but they're running from point A to point B and they say it's strange when you look up and the trucks coming down the road and they ain't got no cab on it. Right. It's got a hump over the top of the motor and that's all it's got. You know, and and it's you look up and you know, like, holy flip, what's going on here? But uh I can see the problem we got nowadays, Dave. Yeah. There is not enough truck drivers.
5: Yeah, I know there's not when
2: you when you listen to a guy england truck company which is a nationwide when he's sitting there tell you he's got 575 brand new trucks sitting on the yard because he has no drivers how much is he paying a month on them things you know a- average and truck? he's
5: actually uh paying good money to the people who are driving them.
2: exactly it's not like it's a bad gig it's no, a good gig but they're just not enough truck drivers because uh the young people don't want a truck driving job i mean Okay, you know, they don't know. want any job at all. They want well, to live in my basement. I didn't want to say that. <laughs> yeah. That's that
3: point. But no, but. they they can't they can't drive that truck without their phones. <laughs> yeah, that's
5: true. That's, <laughs> that's true, true as well.
0: That's all right, true. Got, a,
5: got a caller. Clinton he is here in Little Rock. Clinton, how are you? Welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. Your question for for Duck and and Joe and uh, our guests. Hey, Dave. Hey, fellas. I just farted. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did. Hope you feel better. More room outside than there is inside. Yeah. That's what yeah. my mother used to say.
3: You know, you, Clinton, that's an in, intelligence quotient right there. Buddy.
7: Yeah.
5: yeah. What can we say? we got to get a break in. Let's go ahead and get our break. We'll come back. We'll talk further. we got the uh, the VP here.
3: Wonder wonder if that was kin to Bill.
5: Yeah, Bill Clinton, probably yeah. so. <laughs> or Hunter Biden. Yeah. You heard about Hunter Biden, right? He is the daddy of the, of the baby of that girl from Batesville, I believe. Really? It's, it's been clear. Well, yeah. you know how that happened, don't is. you? I've learned it a long time <laughs> <Yeah>. ago. Evidently, <laughs> he didn't. All right, a break. We've got more coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We've got the crew from Bumper to Bumper here. You know, once you tune in to the show anymore, big Bumper to Bumper sign here in the studio kind of hard to miss it. Yes. We got another one that's going up here shortly from PI Roofing. Uh, another uh, folks that have been advertising with me for 19 years now and uh, we appreciate them as well. Let's get back Tom and talk a little bit further about about your job. I mean, you're sitting in a position now. <laughs> Where the, you know, the bucks the buck stops here and uh, those questions come to you and you've got to make the final call on them. Difficult?
4: You know, if I do my job uh, the way I define it, and I do it pretty correctly, there aren't very many questions that end up coming to me. No, that's good. I have have four regional managers that uh, cover those states, and under them there are 15 district managers who answer to them. Uh, We've got some specialty people like like Jerry, who uh, Jerry's a special accounts manager, and I'm I'm kind of an old school fellow. I think that the problem if there's a question is you come up the chain and not down. And very seldom does it get high enough that it comes to me and it's got to be I got to make a deciding vote or something like that. I really uh, spend more of my time rather than being the the guy that's trying to do that. I spend my time trying to figure out how can I help. And, and this is this way I define it, how do I help my managers be successful. Mm-hmm. and what can, we, what can we move out of the way so that we can help them to help our customers. And as a team, we all become successful. If Joe's successful and the, and the folks that run the store that, that take care of Joe are successful, I, I don't have any problems. I, I have very little to do, actually. Then then it comes down to, oh, well, there's a, a part on back order or there's some craziness going on over here or the computer line is down and, and, and those kinds of things. But, but operationally, if... I get everybody working towards the same goal, which is how do I make this better for me and all my customer, sure. for all of us? It, it, believe it or not, I don't spend I don't spend a lot of the day firefighting.
5: Yeah, before you jump in here, Joe. Yeah, let me tell a personal story. We're talking about customer service and and uh, <coughs> making sure that that is your number one goal as a company. About I guess it's about three years ago that uh, my cadia was having problems missing. And it took, uh, Joe, about half a day to figure out that it was the spark plugs in my car. And the spark plugs, the way they were being made, was different than they had been made. And they were cracking all the time. And they would get these small cracks, and then you get get misses. Mm -hmm. And uh, how many many spark plugs do you think we replaced? Eight, ten?
3: No, I think we did it like three times, yeah, and then we, so we just scrapped that plan and, and went with a complete new set of of a different brand of plug. Right. And, and, you know, that's something we could talk about. And it worked. Yes, it did. There, you know, there's a lot to be said about spark plugs. The aretum, the double platinum, and so on and so on. And, go tip. And, and I think that uh, some of them we discussed in the last uh, Service Center Advisory Council, that they're coming out with a OEM spark plug. Mm-hmm. that's equivalent to everything, but it's all going to be iridium. Mm-hmm. And it'll fit just about anything now. So they're, they're making some changes in that area as far as spark plugs right. to go. You're saying and, that every car used
5: the same spark plug? No, no, no. Not the oh. same spark plug. Okay.
3: Made out of the same material. Oh, okay. So right. if it was a right. double platinum, you put iridium back in it, it's an upgrade. Right.
2: Yeah, upgrade to right. that, that's to that it. plug.
3: So so there, there's a lot to be said about the the bumper-to-bumper folks and, and you know auto value because... They're working on fixes like that, that where we didn't have to deal with that, day.
5: Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. And, and the, the big part that I want to say is that everything that I put in the car was from bumper to bumper. So it was warrantied by bumper to bumper. After that first plug, I didn't pay a, a, a penny for any other plug.
3: Well, you shouldn't have to. If we have an issue with a part, we're going to take care of it. You know, Joe's Garage that's, is,
2: Duck's is. Well, and, that's like I bought a... a a Fickham, yeah, six six Duramax Fickham, put it on the truck. They drove it about twenty miles. I gave it to the customer yesterday. He got to Conway, Errol Plummins who it is, today.
5: No, oh, okay, and he shorted
2: out. So I sent Russell and him and Tim. I uh, he I told him just leave the truck there in the parking lot. I'll send somebody to get it with a wrecker or whatever. So I had a I got a test one that that's what we use. So I Russell grabbed the test one and jumped the truck and went up there and got up there and. St- put the test one on it lit right up and they drove it home hmm. but electronic stuff is so finicky you know but it's just one of them you know you get a bad i don't care who makes it you could get a bad one you know i bought brand new ones from from the dealer
3: well sometimes a, a new one's not available so all you're yeah. left with is reman, reman. Here, and yeah and so that's it.
2: what this was reman. Yeah. but so i ordered another one i have it in in the morning and i'll put it on him and send him back down the road you know but it is just you know It's just one of them things that happen, and you have no, basically, no control over it.
3: Well, that's why new cars have warranties too. Exactly. There's there's nothing man made that's perfect. I can assure you. That's
2: what I tell everybody. If human hands touch it, it's subject to messing up at any second, without notice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One one thing
4: I'd tell you, Dave, that uh, this is you can say I have a kind of a peculiar uh, point of view about it, but bumper to bumper didn't warranty those spark plugs for you. Joe's Garage did that. Duck's Garage did that. A bumper-to-bumper service had service center would have done that. We stood behind Joe and gave him the the confidence to do that. And and he knows that when he does it, that he's that we're going to take care of him. But these guys that are our, our service centers, that's. That's what that relationship is all about. Is given is letting them do their job and making sure they know that they have our backing and, and they can do the things they need to do to take care of their customers. And when you, that's what I'm telling you. When you do business that way, when you think that way, problems don't come upstream very often.
5: All right, got to get a break in. News is next, and then we'll be back here on the Dave Ellswick Show.
3: Hey guys, welcome back. This is the Dave Ellswick Show, and of course, this is not Dave. I don't sound like <laughs> him. Are you uh, sure? He's He's been a little sick, so he's in nature called, and uh, we're going to just uh, carry on here for a little bit without him. He'll be back shortly. We're talking with uh, Tom Singleton from Bumper to Bumper, and Jerry Roach, and, of course, Duck's here, and I'm Joe from Joe's Garage. And uh, uh, Duck had a question for you, Tom. And, and the question All I right. got
2: is I've had a few people ask me, said, well, we know the warehouse is in a Little Rock, it's out right. off Roosevelt. You know, how mm-hmm. does it get from the warehouse to, we'll just say, Evans and Benton? Okay. or?" To Arcadefia or to you know places like that. All right, that's a that's a good question. Uh, If I start at at the
4: beginning, when Evan sells you a part,
0: Mm -hmm.
4: his in his computer when he made that invoice, it relieved that part out of his inventory. The computer knows that he intends to stock one, so it puts it on the purchase order that night. Say that's Monday during Monday. Monday night, that purchase order is calculated, sent up to Little Rock on by the Internet. Tuesday morning, when the folks in the warehouse come to work, that order is already out on a, a electronic pick system, and the, the pickers that work in the warehouse know to go out and get whatever that part yeah. is, load it down. It works its way through the, the conveyor belt system and spends the day basically sitting on a pallet to be delivered back to evans on tuesday night so that wednesday morning he's putting it back on his shelf now we we start at 7 30 in the morning and we go we can go all the way up till five o'clock tonight if you call in an order it'll be on that truck going to, to evans uh tonight and it'll be in his place in the morning when they open yeah when that's from the hey, fence run, it runs they run all night so depending on where you are in, in the in the order of how a truck runs uh it could get there at ten o'clock, or it could get there at midnight, or it could get to there at two in the morning. Whatever it is, but uh, and we do that. Uh, I can't. It's not my. It's not my expertise, so I can't tell you exactly how many trucks we run out of Little Rock. But we have a distribution center in Little Rock, another one in Monroe, Louisiana, a third one in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yes, and that that scenario is repeated uh, thousands of times a day on every part that we sell through all of our <laughs> independent customers and our company stores. Uh, so that and it just accumulates up at five o'clock. They basically cut it off, load the truck up. That guy him out the door, drives out. He drives all night. Basically, he drives his whole eight and a half hours of, of, of shift time, going from store to store to store, dropping off pallets of merchandise at each one. He has his own key, uh, his own alarm code to, to for to the, get back, in in the, to the back of the store and do all that. And they they do that and they pick up uh, cores, which as you know is the yeah. the, the Old unit, like if you sell an alternator, the yeah. core is the old one. There's that's something wrong with it, and we it's return going it back to the manufacturer. To get it, right, it remanded right. sent right. back out. And they pick all that stuff in the night and bring it back to D.C., and we unload that and uh, process it in the warehouse. But in a nutshell, they sell it, and we, re- we elect- electronically order it. The next day it's picked, packed, and shipped so that the third day it's back in the store, back on the shelf, ready to sell again. But now, in that combination, across those three DCs, we run better than 3 million miles
2: a year. And, wow. that's, and that's a lot of miles. Delivering, yeah. delivering in, in and, and diesel, there again, diesel
4: bob trucks and diesel
2: tractor trailers. Yeah. You know, and there again, you got people like Evans that uh, I will make a trip to Little Rock twice a day. I have a parts running yeah. guy. And uh, if Evans don't have it, I'll just tell Mike, hey, or Dickie or Paul, any one of them, just lay it out. Right. My guy'll be by there in a little while and pick it up bring it back to me. Right. And a lot of times Dickie'll call me and say, Hey are, are your guy in Little Rock, yeah, I got something at the warehouse. Can you pick it up? Yeah, no problem. Sure. But then again if if I can't go then he'll send Miss Goldie or, or you know, or, or one of the parts running guys up pretty to get it and right. it, it makes a world of difference to me because I'm basically thirty five miles to the warehouse from my shop and mm-hmm. you know, it makes it makes a world of difference that uh that they work with us and make sure that they take good care of us there there is a, a one
4: whole line in the warehouse if, if you think about that order i was talking about it makes its way through the conveyor system and there's about a dozen ship lanes and each lane goes down for a truck so if you think about that thing we got out there and it gets on a pallet and there might be 12 stores on that truck run they all come down that same line it gets consolidated over onto the onto the pallets that are going out and at night they close all that up loaded on the truck and out it goes there's one line all by itself and all it's for is customer will call yes yeah that's when when, when the store needs something and you're going to pick it up but we're going to pick it up how it's going to get handled it gets pulled and it doesn't go sit on the truck it sits out there on the
2: counter waiting for somebody to come yeah, back and, and, and pick it up mm-hmm. right and, and another thing I reckon how many miles worth of conveyors in that warehouse uh, <laughs> i couldn't tell you uh, if, it if, is if, a I, I, i'll a tell lot. you what we need to get jerry mm-hmm. to get uh, uh, the the warehouse uh the VP
4: of warehouse operations, because that's kind of his stud. He can tell you, yeah, he can tell you how many square feet in the warehouse, and he can tell you yeah, how yeah. many miles of conveyor yeah. belt. We're Cameron gonna, Spencer, conveyor we're going to yeah. get him on the show, right? Yeah.
2: Okay, uh, that's that's really. I mean, within what he does, me but. and Joe's been through the warehouse a few times, and it's just amazing. You walk and look, and all this stuff's above your head, and you know, I, you see the blue totes come, you know, sliding down through I, there. I mean, you know, that's uh, that saves a many a step for the employees you, too. You know, you see that tote. What you, unless you just happen to be there at
4: exactly the right time, what you don't see, there's almost a full-time job all day long of a guy who accumulates those, those that tote when it's out in the warehouse might only get one thing thrown in it. Yeah. It might be something big as a bottle of water. And then it makes it circle all around the warehouse and comes down the ship lane, consolidator puts that over in a blue tote with a bunch of other stuff until it's full. Then he closes it up and starts another one. Well, now that empty tote is sitting at the end of that shipping lane. Yeah. Well, somebody has to gather those up from those 12 <laughs> shipping lanes, stack them up. They put them on a pallet, and then they drive them by forklift back around the other side and load them back in the warehouse so the pickers have totes to, to do. It. It's almost a full time job all day long just to recirculate Gad totes. Gather them
3: and drop them off, yeah. and then gather them up again and right. drop them off. Exactly. Yeah, it just kind of goes back and forth.
2: Because I mean, and forth. I've been in there, you know, waiting on a pull apart for me, and, and you watch them there just the they're blue totes are right. steady running well, yeah, in a circle, yep, you know. and. Yep. It, it's a, it's a hard thing
4: sometimes to understand
2: what you, you guys – and
4: everybody's always in a hurry because our, our my customer's in a hurry, your customer's sure. in a hurry, everybody's in a hurry. But, but if you come in a parts store, just a general parts store, and you want that alternator I was talking about, I say, okay, sure, Doc, just hold on a second. I walk back there, and I take 25, 35 steps, and I grab it off the shelf, and I come back and throw it down on the counter in yeah. front of you and write the ticket out, and off you go. Yep. Same alternator out of the warehouse might take 20 minutes from the time you process the order and somebody pulls it and puts it in that tote and gets to it ride back around. Up to the floor. And by the time it finally gets up there in its own customer service, it could be 20, 25 minutes before that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's hard to understand when you're used to just walking in there and say, hey, give me that alternator right over here.
3: Well, the one in the store, it took 25 <coughs> foot to get it. The other one right. took half a mile. That's yeah. exactly, exactly right. Yep. Yeah
4: yep and and it, you'd be amazed at the amount of complexity in the computer system so that if i if if you order that special order, it has to go to the head of the order. so we've got three hundred customers that have sent turn in order every night, so say the average order's got a hundred parts on it, so that's three hundred times a hundred. So think about all the parts are in all those guns and so it just says, Okay, here's the next one in your zone and the next thing in your yeah. zone well that special order, the software takes that and it rises up, the next thing that comes up be picked is your
2: special order. So yeah. it, it interrupts to that
4: process yeah. and says, Well, wait a minute, we got something we gotta get out and boom, it comes out, it gets in the tub and it starts riding around so, and doing that.
2: So when this tub comes along and, and you got these pickers stationed around out right. through there, it pops up on their machine, hey, uh Evans needs Ten of these, and then they right. they pull it, and it goes to the next person. Pops up. Evans right. needs ten of these. Re- really,
4: in truth, each each one they have what they call zones. So, if you think about just in your house, you got a bedroom and you got a bathroom and you got a, a, a living room, dining room, that kind of thing. Well, each one of those pickers in it stays in his zone. So, yeah, pulls, the guy that's in the bedroom never goes out to the living room to find anything. He just picks what's in the living room gotcha. or what's in the bedroom. That's all he does over and over. So, all those orders get divided up into that zone. And then they just come up one right after the other. And if he gets two or three, it tells him, okay, these three things go in this tote. Then when he puts them in there, he scans them, and that says, okay, that's going to Evans. And then the next two things go in another blue tote, and he scans that number, and it goes off down there, and it might be going to Crow Berlin Game in Hope, Arkansas, and so on and so forth. But they don't, they don't chase the order around, just the parts in that zone for that guy. And are and they, in their areas where that, they pull. In that tote. Is just for whatever's going that's in his area
3: for that one customer.
4: That's why we have so many coaches flying <coughs> yeah. around all the time. And they get
3: very proficient at that, too, because oh, yeah. it's just in yeah. their
4: area. Yeah, and they know where everything is. Like, It's like if if you come, and and it wouldn't take you long to learn my toolbox, but it's not very big, but it'd be a challenge for you to find a Phillips screwdriver. Yeah. But it, if you want a Phillips screwdriver, you're going your to start opening the door. You, you just reach over and get a Phillips screwdriver, yeah. and here we go. Sure. So it's, it's the same kind of thing. They know yeah. right what's in those aisles, and that number, and they know okay, and they know— when they, they know, well, that's a box, and I don't need to get three boxes of it or yeah. you know a, a hose clamp or something yeah. like that. They don't have to think, well, is this supposed to be one hose clamp or is this a box of ten hose clamps? They know sure. what to do.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, and, and it makes a world of difference when we get our stuff too that we know that the right part is pulled and the right part is sent to Evans, and then I don't go up there and say, oh, um, this I, is wrong. And it happens sometimes. Don't get me wrong. Oh, it does happen. Back to that human error thing. Yeah. I, I guarantee human it's hands never perfect. It, it's going to mess up, man. Yeah. Never know, perfect. But, well, but ninety nine percent of the time it's ninety nine percent of the time is right.
4: If you could, if you just came <coughs> up there, especially if you bring one of your customers up there and let them see how complex it is for something that you think is really so simple, I think everybody they'd be amazed. And what I think it would be like uh, almost every other process. If you're really good at anything, it looks simple. Sure, you know it always does. Absolutely. And I think people would be totally amazed at, that you could fix a car. For anywhere near the price that, that it costs, when they see how much it takes to actually make it happen. Sure. I mean, they, they don't have, no, I don't think the average person has any idea at all what it takes. How many people it touches it before yeah, and, it gets and, to and, us. And how complex it was to get that, to, to get the technician in place with the right tools and the right knowledge and the right equipment. And the right part, and, and he makes the right diagnosis. And then now there's a part available and it gets in here and you can hang the part on the car and replace, do what he needs to do, get everything readjusted and get that car back out on the lot so it can go home tonight. Uh, it's, it's more than one person involved in it, I
3: can it tell you It really that. is.
4: And it's, it's, some days I think it's just sort of a miracle. Yes. You know, people just don't – I mean, it's just take it for yeah. granted. It, oh, I'll just take it over to Joe, and he'll have it fixed, and I'll pick it up
3: on my way home. Well, that, that's just like doing an oil change, oil and the filter. Right. Where the oil comes from, where the filter comes from, there's more than just me and my techs involved in it. Right. Exactly. You,
2: you know, know. And, and there again, Joe, it's not only me and all my people and you and all your people. Yeah. You know, we've got all these people, plus i got Evans. You know, Evans is an independent dealer, so he's got all his people. And, you know, and it takes every one of us to make all this stuff make a circle every day.
3: Yep. Well, Dave, you back? I'm back. back. All right. Yeah, I am welcome. here. I'm
5: back in time to say we got to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the final <laughs> break the <laughs> of this hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. The folks from Bumper to Bumper are here. Hope that you're learning some things that to uh, be a business that lasts for 100 years. You got to know a few things, and they've tried some things, and they've some have probably have worked very well, and some may didn't work at all. But you got to try. We'll talk about that when we come back in just a moment. Yeah. So today, it being a Wednesday, it means Joe and Duck are already, you know, always on uh, the show. But we decided to bring a few people in from Bumper to Bumper so that you could hear about how they run things. You know kind of behind the curtain you know everybody wants to know everybody wants to know you, need you know to pay
3: attention what's to that the, guy behind the curtain yeah what's
5: the wizard what's the wizard doing behind the curtain so to speak and and tom is someone who can talk a little bit about that in fact during this hour he has talked about that and what i have found very interesting is how he is adamant about his people being allowed to do their jobs you know, I think anybody who's ever had a job feels the same way I do about that. If I've been hired by you to do something, it's because you believe that I could do what I was hired to do. Will you let me do what I was hired to do?
3: You know, and and, and just like anything else at Joe's Garage and Duck's Garage and Bumper to Bumper, you know, you don't need to be the boss. You just need to be the guy that makes sure that, your subordinates are doing what they're supposed to be doing, and give them all the help you can and the right tools and the equipment. That's just like fixing a car. You got to be smarter than what you're working on to fix a car, <laughs> and the same thing with anything. You, you've got to have the right tools and the right leadership there to help you do that. So,
5: well, if you want somebody to learn to work on mm-hmm. a car, you got to let them work
3: on a car. You got to have experience. Yeah, and you got to give them good information and good tools.
5: And once in a while, guess what? <clears throat> They gotta fail. No, they're gonna fail because they're not gonna learn if they don't fail. You know that's just that's just part of the the way life works out. So, Tom, you say you've had twenty odd years as VP now, and mm-hmm. how many years before that?
4: Well, this is forty three,
5: so I had about twenty before that, and I wore a bunch of hats
4: in in between. And one of the things, because as we were talking about it, this is a family owned company. It seems like you can never lose a hat whenever, well, you know, I, I put in computers. They're real tall on top of your head. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Some days they are. <laughs> you <know, I, clears throat>
7: Ten-gallon gall- ten hat. Yeah, yeah. I,
4: I put in computers, and, and when, we, when we start getting ready, if we do an acquisition or a move or a change or something, uh, I still find myself getting to go and be involved in putting in computers. And I don't do computers anymore on a day-to-day basis. I mean, I, I run a computer in my, in my office, but not store computers but i'm on the board of the uh, our, our point of sale systems called counterworks and i'm on the counterworks board uh, i'm one of the only two guys on the board that really aren't computer geeks those guys get started <laughs> they start talking about chips and processors and gigabytes mm-hmm. and jars and, and i'm like huh? okay
3: but geek i bet time. i bet you were around <laughs>
2: before they were uh, yeah i was <laughs> that's, kind of, that's kind of like my phone my phone <clears throat> messes up i walk in my granddaughter she's 16 Millie. Can you fix Popo's telephone? <laughs> <laughs> Ch- <laughs> <laughs> pop Then Popo, don't hit this button no more. Right. Okay. That, that's
8: it.
5: All right. So, Tom, how many how many more years do you want to keep doing this?
4: Well, I you know I haven't honestly I haven't looked down the barrel that really hard. Uh, I, I have a kind of a, a thought in mind that uh, I'm as long as I'm able. I, you probably won't know this from the way I talk about it, but I really enjoy my job, and the thing I enjoy is the people, our our customers, and mm-hmm. the folks that work with me. Right, uh, make, it makes makes worth getting out of bed every day. Uh, it makes it's a joy. So, I don't mind. I don't mind going to work. It's not. A, it's not, from that point. It's not a job at all. And as long as I feel like that, that uh, I'm helping move things forward and making a difference, I'll probably stick around for a while.
5: Yeah, oh, great. I'm. I'm. I like hearing that. <coughs> Because I love my job, I love what I do. I keep my wife keeps pressing me about when I'm going to retire. Right? You know what my answer is: when there's nothing left to talk about. She's <laughs> <laughs> got
2: dirt. Well, involved, it? <laughs> yeah. well that's, that's right. a long time. Yeah, right? you got yeah. that exactly
5: right. Yeah. I, I can
4: tell you, my one of my wife's uh, sayings: is if I'm, i I travel some for work, and as you can imagine, and every once in a while, she'll kind of look at me and she'll say, "Don't you have somewhere you need to go?"
0: <laughs> 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 yeah,
4: under, understand, understand. That's, my, that guy's that's real common with wives. You know?
5: <laughs> okay, so we're sitting about three minutes away from getting out of the show. I wanted Tom to address that uh, bumper to bumper is a family-owned business. It has been in business for over, a, well, not over, but a hundred years, years I, now. I, uh, is what it has been, and, and talk about that a little bit, yeah. Tom, because that's
4: that's a big deal. You know, our company has a name that's—it's uh, not really very well known in the in the general public uh crow if you say crow burlingame nobody outside of the trade knows very much about it bumper to bumper is our national group affiliation and uh, we we use that for uh, buying group and also as a marketing group so that we have a, a nationwide presence but crow burlingame itself was actually started in 1919 by two gentlemen whose names were mr crow and mr burlingame uh, so From that, the the, the business has come down uh, through a generation and then to another generation. So I'm kind of in the third generation of that, and now we have uh, Fletcher Lord III, uh, Ben Butler, and Crow Lord, who are – Family members who are, will be basically the fourth generation taking over. They, uh, we announced at our conference back in the spring uh, that those guys are assuming executive positions. And and uh, Fletcher Lord Jr., who's been the, the, the president of the company and the CEO of the company, uh, for basically all my career, uh, has basically become the chairman of the board. And he's beginning to be like like you are in your business, yeah. Duck. He's he's kind of taking a side seat, and Fletcher yeah. Fletcher the. Third is taking over that role and moving the company forward. But, so.
2: but they're again, though. Still family. Th- they will talk to any of us. Oh, yes, sir, every they, day. Th- um, and that's one thing that, that they do. I mean, like when we do the car show, they're all up there and they're all running around yeah. talking and, you right. know. Yeah. You
3: know, yeah. It's, it's it, it, there's a huge difference when, you know, it, it is a corporation, but it's a family owned. We'd call it the, the a huge mom and pop operation. Right. Yeah, in a lot and, and of ways,
4: that's very true.
3: Us guys, the are CSCs. We have capabilities of if we have an issue or we have a problem, you guys are right there on the point mm-hmm. to yep. help us handle it and fix it. And and you, you can't ask for anything better than that. Well, nope.
4: One one of the reasons that I came to work for Crow Burling Game uh, forty years, forty plus years ago and that I've stayed around is if I have a problem and and I think it's important enough I could walk into Fletcher's office and say, "Fletcher, we need to talk about this." Or I could pick up the phone and call, and I don't have to go through three levels of re- receptionists and two yeah. other folks. I just call Fletcher and say, "Fletcher, we need to talk about this." He calls yeah. Miss Hazel, and <laughs> and that is that is no different today than it was 40 years ago. If you if you need access to somebody, you as you Joe, you sure. know well, Doug, yep. you know well, it's not any problem to get to yeah. get Why in touch with you the guys, folks that make fact, it happen.
5: It is all right. Tom, thanks for coming by. Thanks for having Very me. Very interesting. Thank you, Dave. Us. Jerry, thanks for coming in. You bet. I'll talk to you again on Saturday. <laughs> yeah and uh, to, again? <laughs> to, to, <laughs> <laughs> to Joe and the Duck guys. Thank good you, to Dave. see you again Thank here in you. the studio. I'm glad you're really doing better. And Harding University is up next. Before we get into this uh, last hour, we're going to talk with Dr. Uh, uh, Clara Carroll, National Board Certified Teacher, Associate Dean and Professor of Education uh, here at Harding University. And she's going to tell us about some very important things for you who are teachers and why it's important to be a National Board Certified Teacher. It's really important that you do this. We're going to talk about that, but before I do... uh, Last night at 3 o'clock, I got woke up, and uh, it was uh, the device that I wear that is feeding my body uh, 24 hours uh, antibiotics to fight the infection that I have in my bloodstream. And I woke up out of a dream thinking that I was in Paris because the device was going ee, 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 and it sounded like one of those police cars that you would hear over in Europe, and uh, we couldn't get it to turn off, and we checked it. It kept saying high pressure, which t- typically means there's a, there's a kink in the hose, and uh, that wasn't the case, and I ended up calling the, uh, the nurse that works with us that so you call at any time, at any day, and they'll help you, And she says, Dave, I hate to tell you this, but your pick line evidently is messed up. Well, look, having a pick line put in the first time is no fun. Doing it the second time is even worse. So I had to do that today. And I just wanted to talk about, real quickly, the doctor and two nurses who served me today over at what I call Baby Baptist. That's a Baptist in North Little Rock that's smaller than, of course, Big Baptist in Little Rock. And they just did a fantastic job for me today. They knew I was up against time, that I wanted to be back here in time for the show to start. I got here about 20 minutes late. Uh, Robert Steinbach was filling in during that time, and then uh, he and I just got going, and here we are in the 5 o'clock hour. But uh, Dr. Ken Robbins and nurses Angela Rice and Jay Allen – uh, I just wanted to say thanks personally to you for the great work that you did today, getting this new pick line in and getting things taken care. of. Doctor said they added about five millimeters more to the pick line, that would make it feel better. It was a little rough the first time around, and he said, "Dave, you shouldn't have any problem with it. Uh, you know, getting uh, you know filled somewhere along the 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 thing, so that." Uh, the liquid isn't traveling in it. So I just wanted to say they did a great job. And if you ever have to go over there, ask for Dr. Ken Robbins or uh, the, the nurses, Angela Rice or Jay Allen. So, Dr. Carol, welcome back to the show. Thank you. You were here about, what, two months ago? Yeah, a few three? months ago. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this. And from talking to you, I I learned... What is so important about the National Board Certified Teachers? And it's a big, big deal.
9: It is a big deal, and Dave, I'm so glad you're back too. I'm glad you're back, um, back here in the office. Feeling good? It's good to be with you. Thank you. Yeah, National Board Certification is important because it's the highest gold standard for teachers. It's like an account of becoming a CPA, a doctor passing, um, being board certified, or an attorney passing the bar exam. And we want every student to be taught by highly accomplished teachers, and that's what National Board Certification does for teachers. It helps schools who want leaders in their schools. It helps uh, students uh, actually learn two to three months extra in the same nine-month period that are taught by non-board-certified teachers. So if I had um, well, my own grandchildren, I want them taught by board-certified teachers because I know they're going to learn more than if they're taught by non-board-certified teachers. So yeah. it's important.
5: Yeah, people and pe- but people don't understand. I think there's probably you know, a, a group of teachers that don't even understand what it means to be a national board-certified teacher. Why don't we just start right there? What does it mean that you get this national board certification?
9: It's a rigorous process. You know, sometimes I tell teachers that I work with, it's kind of like going into the Marines. It's, it's tough, but those that are willing for the uh, chance to serve will have the grit and the tenacity to go forward. Um, Being board certified means you have met standards for pedagogy. You have met the needs of your students, and you've proven that by assessments and video recording and analysis. You have proven that you work with community members, families, so that the whole child is served, not just curriculum being delivered. So these teachers know their students inside and out so they can Mm -hmm. best serve them so that they can learn. So it's rigorous, it has four components to it. Like I mentioned, there's a video piece, there's an assessment piece regarding content knowledge. um, A lot of writing and reflecting and, and, and analyzing your work as a teacher, which most teachers don't have time to do because they're going from moment to moment really fast taking care of students. But board certified teachers don't just teach curriculum, they teach kids. And that's what's so important about this process.
5: Yeah, that's really important because, you know, I hear a lot from teachers about teaching the test, mm. so to speak. And and I know what they're talking about. I mean, they were starting to do that when I was in school back in the 70s. Uh, in the 80s, it really got underway. But, uh, you know, I think a, somebody who really wants to be a teacher would like to be like myself. I always have wanted to be in radio but I always wanted to be the best on the radio. And I got to believe that's the way teachers feel too.
9: They do. They want the best for their kids. Since it is rigorous, sometimes teachers are hesitant, you know, to jump in and to go forth and, and pursue this process. But what, what we can do at Harding is to help them through this process. We can break it down. So I created this graduate program at Harding that helps teachers walk through the National Board process, kind of like uh, when you move into a new house and all those boxes show up.
6: Mm-hmm. I help them
9: unwrap up one box at a time so it's not so overwhelming. And what I have found is this program that I've created, this gra- it's, it's fully online, fully online graduate program that I've created, It helps teachers break this process down so that they can be successful. And because um, I have been so intentional on um, creating this system so that teachers can be successful, we have an 80% achievement rate, which is higher than the state and the national achievement rate. Um, I don't want to take away the rigor of the process, but going through the assessment center exercises, which is um, mostly content, and some pedagogy, I help them know how to uh, dissect out the study, the study uh, pieces to that. What does it mean to be the highest level of teacher regarding child development? What does it mean to have the most knowledge of formative assessment, summative assessment, and then use that information so that you can serve not all of your students all at once, but each individual student? It's kind of like when I go to the doctor. The doctor looks at me to see what are my needs. mm mm-hmm. He doesn't look at everybody one day and then the first patient is how he prescribes for the rest of the day. Every single patient gets individual attention. This is what National Board Certified Teachers do. Although they have a classroom full of kids, still they're prescribing individually to students so that those students learn at the rate that they can learn but yet they hold them to a high standard and high expectations and that takes skill to be able to do that and the national board certification process helps build that skill and recognize teachers who are highly accomplished so it's really a two-fold piece. So anyway this, free, this um, online class at Harding it begins February 3rd. And anyone who's interested in getting that support can contact me at nationalboard@harding.edu, And I will definitely help them get into that process, that support system. But, you know, the good thing is, Dave, about National Board Certified Teachers is they also are leaders in the school. So superintendents and principals um, are seeking out these highly accomplished teachers because they know they're problem solvers. They know they'll be leaders in these professional learning communities. They also know that they'll retain these teachers. Board-certified teachers in Arkansas, 85% of them stay in the same school district after board certification.
5: Why is that?
9: They're dedicated to the kids. And they have a skill set that causes them to be able to handle all the multifaceted things that are going on in a teacher's life, from answering emails with parents to assessments to uh, problem-solving issues within their content area, working with administrators. They know how to multitask at a very high level. And a lot of that is gained through the National Board Certification process.
5: Okay. So let's take a break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk further about this and uh, explain to the teachers that uh, maybe have never even heard of this why it would be to their benefit to be a National Board-certified teacher. Dr. Uh, Clara Carroll is our guest. She's from uh, Harding University. She's the Associate Dean and Professor of Education at Harding University. All right, back with you. If you just joined us, we have with us Dr. Carroll today. Dr. Clara Carroll. She's the National Board Certified Teacher Associate Dean and Professor of Education at Harding University. And can I tell you, that does all fit on a business card. I've got one right in front of me, (laughs) It, uh, it fits there. But, you know, what made you want to get involved? with this particular program
9: well dave um as an educator i was a k-12 educator when i wanted to be national board certified because i knew that that was the next level i already had my doctorate at that time and i wanted to um, keep learning i wanted to be the best for my students and so i pursued board certification And then I realized, once I got to Harding University, that I could help other teachers do Mm -hmm. the very same thing, because I had friends who wanted to be board-certified. You know, it's interesting. Some teachers want to be board-certified to have that recognition that they are highly accomplished. Other teachers pursue board certification because they want to elevate their own skill set. And what happens is the teachers get both of them. They get the recognition that they're highly accomplished but then they also gain more skill set within their teaching field. You know, the other thing is being board certified, it recognizes you as a professional, uh, just like I mentioned accountants who are CPAs. It recognizes at higher level um, in the, your professional world. Another reason teachers want to be board certified is that it gives them leadership opportunities within, within their schools. The Department of um, Elementary and secondary education with the Arkansas Department of Education recently wrote out a tiered licensure uh, system. And there are several different avenues of licensure for teachers. One of them is master teacher, and that includes national board-certified teachers, which in turn would give them more opportunities for leadership at their schools. But another reason why Arkansas, especially Arkansas teachers, would want to be board-certified is they get a financial incentive every year. Um, for up to a certain number of years, anywhere from $2,500 a year from the Department of Education to $10,000 a year from the Department of Education. And on top of that, about two-thirds of all school districts in Arkansas also pay teachers an additional incentive, and that's a retention incentive to keep them in the district. So if I were teaching at a high-poverty, high need school district, and I'm board certified, I'm going to get paid an additional $10,000 every single year for up to 10 years. If I move to a school that's not high poverty, I'm still going to get $2,500 every Mm -hmm. single year for up to five years, and that's because I'm board certified. I have a son-in-law who's a CPA, and when he passed his CPA exam, his company paid him extra money to recognize he's at a higher level as a professional. So our legislators are very generous, and Governor Hutchinson is, um, Asa Hutchinson is very generous in approving this type of bonus because they recognize. If we have the very best teachers teaching in our schools and we pay them to stay, then that means we elevate the education world of Arkansas, which in turn we know the high, more highly educated our population is, that's going to have an, a positive impact on our economy and many other things within our state. So we want to start with the schools, and we want the very best. So if uh, if a teacher were interested in this, it's not only the financial incentive, but it's also the professional incentive that would drive teachers to want to be board certified
5: all right so we've got these teachers that want to do this why don't you walk them through what you're going you said that this is a challenging program so what is it that you have to do to uh, get to the other side of this and be a nationally board certified teacher
9: So the nuts and bolts, there are four components. The first component is the assessment center exercise, and it's a computerized exercise where you sit and you literally take three different um, sets of questions related to your content area. So whenever I went through this process, my area is early childhood generalist, and I had a set of questions around um, play regarding children. So that was child development, how do children develop, how do they use play in in order to learn? So I had mm-hmm. to know all of those theories, Vygotsky, Maslow, you know, Piaget, and how that impacted their learning. Not just not just give out the facts, but how does that impact a child's learning cycle? Because it definitely does all the way through adulthood. So you have three of those kinds of questions. And if you're a mathematics teacher, then it's going to include calculus, trigonometry, those kinds of content pieces. Then there are a set of questions that are true, just straight content. What is this? What is that? Um, And that particular test is um, three different sets of scenarios with one set of 45 questions. But what I have found, Dave, is working with these teachers over the years, They're already doing these things. They already know this. And there is a study guide, and I walk them through how do do you study for this. And I walk them through even creating study questions based upon the study guide to help them be successful. Then component two, this is a piece that teachers do every single day if they're really in tune with their students, and that is differentiating instruction, which basically means... If I need to have a specific set of assignments that are different than yours, the teacher knows I need it different, and you need it a certain way. It's right. so like, I know I'm a visual learner. I know if I see something, I'm going to remember it. If I hear it, I might remember it. Where in your case, your, your auditory skills are probably awesome because you work with people every day and you talk with them, I'm guessing, but I would know that about you if you were in my class. So component two is tracking how do these students learn, how do I make adjustments in their learning so that they can be successful, and I use assessments along the way to measure that learning. But mm-hmm. here, here's the key, Dave. You have to know which assessments to use, when to use them, and what will that assessment piece give you in order to know how to serve those students.
5: Yeah, you can, you can know what information you need, The goal is to know what to do with the information you get presented to you.
9: Exactly. It's data literacy. It's looking at data and figuring out how can I use this. Component three is a videotape of your lesson. You do two short videos. You analyze what did I do in that lesson and why did I do it to get these students to learn. Okay. And then the fourth component is bringing in assessment. It's bringing in the needs of a student, a professional need of yourself, and bringing in the whole community of learners. So let's say that I have a student in my class and that student has cerebral palsy. And so I have to figure out how to communicate with this student. Well, I have a professional need. I need to learn how to serve this specific student in this particular capacity so that she can be uh, a very successful student. But I also bring in working with the family, working with the medical community, working okay. with her other teachers. So Component 4 is a more holistic approach to the student.
5: All right. We're going to come back after the break. We've got news coming up, so we'll give you 60 seconds of real fast what's going on in the impeachment hearings. That's coming up. Then when we come back, we'll uh, finish up our discussion here uh, with uh, uh, Clara Carroll, uh, who is with Harding University. Don't forget that the spring graduate course for the uh, National Board candidates is going to be February the 3rd. And you can contact uh, Clara at nationalboard@harding.edu. Uh, to get more information, and remember this is all online that's uh, that 's something i've really come to uh, really like about education now is that uh I remember when they used to talk about doing things online and it was uh you know, yeah, 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 like it. no big deal you know that 's not the way it is any longer. You get to talk to your teachers online all kinds of things that you used to not do, you used to just watch videos of uh, of the teachers. That's not the case anymore. So we'll come back. We'll give you more information about the program itself and how you can be part of it. That's all coming up after the news, which is uh, right now here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, Dr. Clara Carroll, a few minutes left uh, for our time with her national board certified teacher, associate dean and professor of education at harding university we were just talking during the break a lot of people don't even know that harding offers this program and and that's important for you to know about it and uh, we've gone through why you should be wanting to be one of these national board certified teachers what it can mean for you monetarily what it can mean for you as far as just a teacher working with students it's a it's something that would be very, very beneficial to somebody who's in education. So with that in mind, let me turn it back over to the doctor. Uh, the next time the, uh, the course is going to be offered is going to be the spring class, and it's all done online. That's important. You don't have to drive up to Searcy every day. You can do this online, and it begins on February 3rd of 2020.
9: So Dave, I appreciate you having me today. The heart of achieving National Board Certification is um, student learning. Teachers are in the business to help kids be successful. And what National Board Certification does for these educators is it elevates their teaching, it elevates their reflective analytical practice, it is the result of being board certified. It gives that deep, abiding understanding of what kids really need so that they can be successful. It improves the teacher's content knowledge. We know it retains teachers right there in the classroom. They stay in the school district. We know that they are leaders in the school, so they're paying back. Um, all, uh, in, they're paying back in their leadership skills, that incentive bonus that they're paid, it improves their, their methods, their pedagogical practice. We know that these teachers are reflective teachers, so they're constantly in the mode of learning and relearning so that they can serve their students. We also know that they're part of data literacy and learning communities, and not just within the school, but the learning community for the whole child. So when we're looking at national board certification, yes, teachers do get financial incentives here in Arkansas, and they should. They oh, deserve yeah. that, most definitely. But most of these teachers that I work with, they're getting board certified so they can be the very best teachers for the kids they're working with, and who, what parent wouldn't want their kid to be taught by the most highly accomplished teacher. And those teachers are National Board certified.
5: I thought it was interesting. We were talking during the break. I've always told people that if you could listen to the conversations during the break, you might be surprised at how much you would learn.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: But uh, we were sitting here and talking, and you were talking about how uh, principals were going out and literally – trying to get teachers who are board certified to come and teach at their schools.
9: That is so true. I get calls and emails from principals. They'll have an opening, and they'll say, I know you work with the National Board Program. Can you tell me uh, about a biology teacher that I can recruit who is board certified to come teach at my school? Because that principal knows he no, he or she not only gets the most highly accomplished teachers but they also get a teacher who's going to stay, who's going to be with them for the long term. And that, in turn, helps student learning because you've got continuity in the building.
5: Yeah, that's with anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, in any, any kind of business or whatever, consistency breeds success.
9: Yes, it does. Very much so. You know, in Arkansas, we have uh, about 3,200 uh, National Board Certified Teachers. That's only about 3% of our teachers. We would like for that to be 80% at the very least. Wow. Yes.
5: That's a long haul, Doctor. Yes, it is.
9: But we're growing. We are growing, and we've got a lot of teachers who are interested. They're in the, in the shoot, ready to go. Uh, this spring, I'll be going to schools doing some overviews and PDs. So, if there's a principal out there that's interested in me coming and talking to their teachers, I'd be more than willing to do that. Anything to help education in Arkansas. And I believe that National Board Certification is one of those pathways to improve education in Arkansas. All
5: right. So, you know, that's really important for everybody to understand. But, 3,200 out of You said that's like 3%. That just tells you how many teachers we really have in the state of Arkansas. Mm -hmm. How many of those that aren't board certified do you think don't even know what national board certification is all about?
9: You know, it's interesting, Dave. As I travel the state and I talk to educators and administrators, many of them have heard about it. But they want to know more because like what we've talked about just in these last few minutes, they don't know the details. One thing we've done, Dave, to head off some of that is we have embedded the National Board core standards within our teacher prep program at Harding University. So our students who are graduating out, they fully understand what this means. So once they get their minimum of three years in, then they can start the process. They know what they're up against. They've got that foundational piece. So we're really trying to head off that I don't know what this is about.
5: Okay, so we haven't talked about that. How long does the program take to go through?
9: Well, it's anywhere from uh, one to three years per component. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you can spread out. You can do all four components in one year. Or you can spread those four components over three years. Or you can do two one year and two another year. But you have up to three years to complete each of the four components.
5: That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, still, I mean, I'm thinking... To do all four components in Mm -hmm. one year, you got to be one of the most anal, dedicated people (laughs) that I probably would have ever met.
9: It does take some sacrificing. It does. But it's doable. It's not that you can't do it. you just got to make some sacrifices, just like you do with anything else. You You make the decision, I'm going to pursue this, I'm going to be persistent, I've got the grit to do it, and I'm going to be successful.
5: All right. Got about three minutes left tell people again how they can get into this particular program at harding university so
9: in in uh, 1999 i started developing this national board graduate program and over the years i've had of the 32 3200 nbcts in arkansas i've served a third of those through our program yes and they've been very successful so if anyone's interested they just need to contact me at national board at harding.edu we also have a website on the harding.edu um web page and uh, just search for national board it begins february 3rd and i would be more than happy to be able to serve teachers in arkansas in a bigger way than we're doing even now
5: yeah tell her uh, you heard about it on the dave ellswick show exactly i really appreciate that all right doctor i'll let you get out of here do you live up in searcy
9: i live in searcy all right so you right. got a
5: quite of a drive uh, ahead of you this evening it's and been, i know what it's like because i live in cabot
9: it's been my pleasure
5: uh, thank you very much for coming mm-hmm. on let's get our final break in we come back we'll find out uh, what's coming up in the next hour here on uh 101.1 fm the answer, the answer. all right last segment for a uh Wednesday show, it's hump day, middle of the week day, over the hill day, closer to Friday than we were on Monday. That's a good thing. Uh, tomorrow, I can't tell you exactly what's going to be happening. We'll, we'll give you the latest on the impeachment, of course, and we'll look at what uh, some of the witnesses had to say. I think important today that you know that, you know, Sondland, who is supposedly the witness, the star witness, uh, came on today and said, well— it, it, it's my feeling that the president was doing a quote you know pretty quote quote pro uh with this he never said that he wanted anything in return he never uh we don't have any kind of emails or texts or anything about that about him uh so what we got is we got one man's word against everybody else and you know when you get into the The trial for impeachment, because I believe that the Democrats are going to go ahead and get us into impeachment. However, when you go to the Senate side for the trial, the, uh, you know, the uh, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court is the man who sits there in the front and and determines if it's evidence or it's hearsay or it's just, you know, BS. And most of what we're hearing is hearsay. Unless the you know, unless the Democrats have something sitting in their back pocket right now, they literally have nothing. They 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 don't have anything that they're going to be able to define this president guilty of. What was it that Sunderland said? Uh, let me look up the uh, story real quick here that I had just a moment ago. And uh, they're talking to them. And he says, so you really have no testimony today. This is uh, Congressman Meadows. So you really have no testimony today that ties President Trump to a scheme to withhold aid from Ukraine in exchange for these investigations. And Sondland says this, other than my own presumptions. No, other than my, uh, you know, my own presumptions. Let me tell you what. I, I've been in management in radio for more years than I even like to remember. And if you came to me and you told me that you had a coworker and you thought, you presumed that they were guilty of, let's say, some things had some things had disappeared uh in the, in the station that you came and and you told me well I I think I know who did this and I'd say who and you you say well it's this person and I go well why do you feel that way what kind of here's the big word what kind of evidence do you have to tie them to the you know things that are missing, and they looked at you. If they looked at you and said to you, "Hey," said I, "uh, I don't, I don't have any evidence. I just presume that they have been doing all that." I'd ask. I tell them, just leave the leave my office, because I can't, you know, have any kind of of uh, bad feelings or work to take a, a job away from somebody because somebody else presumes that they're doing something wrong. Prove to me they're doing it wrong, and then we'll talk about it. Hey, guess who's sitting in the, uh, the studio with me? Carrie McCoy is here. And coming up in the next hour, it's Up In Your Business. If you've been listening to the show after my show, you know how good it is. It's very, very interesting.
0: Well, thank
10: you. Well, you do
5: great interviews. Thank
10: you. I get some great guests.
5: I mean, some people can you know. talk to other people and, and pull forth information from them. Mm-hmm. Other people can't do that.
10: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I do a lot of research on my guests. So you know who I want to get on.
5: Who do you want to get on? Sarah Huckabee. Sarah Huckabee Sanders.
10: She's going. She, she she's down, killing she's, it.
5: She's down in hot She was down in Hot Springs she is not You no, know her. I know her from some years ago. But I you got I, her I have emailed, not her to her. Cell phone no, I number, don't. I private, wish I did. Private back door information and I, I can get to her. Because I have some things I'd like to talk to her about.
10: Well, if I get her on here, you, you can tell talk her. to her about. Yeah, it. Yeah, you just I'll say Dave me. Ellswick. I'm going to throw your name around. I'll say You go right hey, ahead. Carrie McCoy, A she lot ain't of nothing. Dave Ellswick wants to know. Or be in the know, yeah. And once you are,
5: the next two years are going to be really interesting, Carrie, as far oh, as I know. politics.
10: So, does Asa Hutchinson running again? No, so he's out. He's done. So Sarah's going to run next. Well, though the crowds she she's said, bringing in, let we hasn't find said out that
5: she's going to whatever. And unless we, you, we, what you get, Lieutenant Governor uh, uh, Griffin that's out there and he's been running for four years now
10: well and he can keep running you because know. she's going to come in and walk right into that
5: i i won't say that's a hundred percent
10: i will say it's a hundred percent let's bet right now okay how much you wanna bet
5: uh, hundred
10: bucks We're talking hundreds, 100 percent 100 bucks c-note dinner dinner i'm not I'll eating dinner, dinner, dinner with you but you leather. eat pizza no you eat pizza every I'll night i know that that's, right. out, that's 20 bucks i want to take to a steakhouse, steakhouse. It's still not 100 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see note.
5: All right, I'll, I'll, I'll let it
10: crisp. Okay, snap it on there. Here's the
5: key we won't know until 2022.
10: So, with our memories, we may not remember. We may this not bit. remember
5: at all. That's exactly right. <laughs> you
10: want to meet Will okay. Trice?
5: Yeah, Will, Will, come on in. Will, come
10: on in. Well, oh Will, look, his microphone's in. not ready. Nobody loves Will. We
5: got, we got oh, a microphone over over come, over come over here. Come over here, Will,
10: and sit on the other end. Come on
5: over right over here and sit Don't down. Don't look
10: at the notes. Uh uh uh, 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 Those are your notes. All okay. About so, you.
5: Will can Trice, I, can I ask the really tough question right off the bat? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. All right. The rep went through some really tough times.
10: Oh my God! You're gonna steal my shit.
5: <laughs> <laughs> All right.
10: Don't do it. So
5: here's the question. Just
10: no, no. Why no, did Why did no. you decide
5: to jump into this? Both feet.
10: Do not answer that. Will <laughs> you have to stay know, tuned? No, you're not.
1: You do, yeah, you have to stay
6: tuned. Stay right Dang
5: up there. There you go. Stay tuned. All right. Did theater? No, oh, you did. That's good. <laughs> that's yeah. Good. That's, in, stay coming, tuned. coming events. Yeah,
10: we're going to find out in the next hour on Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy. But I did find out okay. that Will Tries and I go way, way back. I've never met him, but I know his mother and father.
5: Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. So, Will, uh, I'm from outside of Chicago. You better watch out. And you know, I'm sure, about Steppenwolf. I do indeed. And how great of a. Many. Fantastic. Of a playhouse that is, in John Malkovic and, and everything that goes on there, they do something every year that I wish that our local uh, theater would do. Every year they do the Christmas story. Every oh, shoot your eye out! No, every year. Can't have a BB no, gun. Just saying, shoot your eye no, out. No, 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 no I've no. done it
3: twice in the past ten years.
5: Oh, well, you have. Yeah, okay. For sure. Okay. And, and, yeah, very, really popular I'm talking times. about the real Christmas story.
10: What's the real Christmas story? You know, Charles
5: story? Dickens and all of that.
6: Oh, A Christmas Carol. Oh. A okay. Christmas Carol. Done, oh, I see. They they've done that for different. 30
5: years
3: Nobody now. wants well, to
10: watch Charles Dickens.
3: Oh, yeah, they do. To give a plug to another theater in town, the Argenta Community Theater actually does a big, fantastic uh, production of A Christmas Carol every year. Oh, okay. And they're doing
5: that again this year. So they've got Get into closer. it now. Get closer. Okay, yeah, so they're doing it. that. Have you thought about doing something... You know, uh, annually at the at the rep.
1: Uh, I've thought about it. Um, I don't know. I don't know that that's right now in the cards for us. Um, but I think we will always be doing a um, something that's good for for families
6: and fun, a fun sort of family time out at that time of the year. Well,
10: Christmas is always your biggest sellout.
6: Often, yes.
10: Yeah, I mean, everybody. No matter what the Christmas show is, the families come out for it.
5: Yeah, Didn't, tuna Christmas. You know.
10: What's the one with Jim Carrey? Um, the Grinch. The Grinch is uh, so Didn't yeah. we do the Grinch one year? I don't know that they've ever know.
5: done the Grinch. I don't think that's that They did Elf
1: one year. Oh, that was what it was. It
10: was yeah. Elf. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: that's Close. one that, you know, everybody thought that Elf was going to have this long staying power. Mm-hmm. It has not.
10: Well, the Grinch has. I think the Grinch is hilarious. And if you need well, a lead you can have one of my sons. He does the best Jim Carrey in, uh, imitations you've ever seen. So it'd be the funny Grinch.
5: Oh, boy. We're going to have to have auditions. We have to have a lot of green, too.
10: The only problem a is he doesn't. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's so
5: funny. See, I didn't, He's got I, I haven't too asked already. any other questions because I know. You've behaved yourself. It, well, it just makes sense. There's certain questions, if you're an interviewer, that you know you must ask.
10: That's radio integrity.
5: You know? We don't have enough leave integrity in the world. I'm going to leave
0: that for if you. If you
10: didn't, I'd quit letting my guests come on in <laughs> your show. And then you'd have to talk about nothing for the last ten minutes every time. Okay, let's talk about your last guest though. I met her in the ladies' room.
0: Great she's lady. wonderful. Yeah. she's Why didn't everybody
10: lady. do that? Why didn't everybody, everybody go get their teachers? What's she call it? Not teachers' national
5: board certification. Why doesn't
10: everybody get national board certification? So I asked her that. She said it's one to three years online. That's kind of a commitment. Yeah. And I'm not an at-home learner. Do you learn well at home well? Do you do good at home I try not to
1: learn ever anywhere.
10: (laughs) What a liar. Great answer.
5: Great answer. All right, so I can ask one more question.
10: Yeah, what's the Christmas show this year?
5: How do you decide what's going to play in Peoria for uh, Little Rock? Uh,
10: What's Peoria mean?
5: I know. It's an old saying.
10: Oh.
1: Uh, Well, I... For one thing, I'd try to think about what I'd like, because I'm from Little Rock. There you go. Uh, right. And uh, try to think about what my family would like, and what my friends would like, and uh, what my teachers would like, and you know what my community would like. Good know answer. Your, know your
10: audience. Good mm-hmm. answer. That's exactly right. Know your audience. Yeah.
5: That's why I've been on radio for yes, 20 years. Yes, you know
10: your
0: audience. I do know my audience. Mm-hmm.
5: Will, I'll have you on in the, in the future. You can be on my show, and I'll even bring Carrie on to... To be Poke on you. it at the same Poke. time, like and she Friday. can try. She can try to guess before I ask the questions what I'm going to ask <laughs> double teaming That's how it that all works. All right, we got. I got to get out of here. I got some stuff that are, is hooked to me that I got to carry out of the studio, and then uh, I'll be back tomorrow at two. Uh, we'll be talking about the impeachment, of course. What else is it talking? Oh, we could talk about the hogs and that. Houston oh. Nutt says that he got a call about being the coach no. again. I still don't buy that, but. He said that he had been. Really? Yes. That's what he said. Well I believe that if Darren McFadden suits up again. How's that?
10: Well, we missed the boat and we didn't get that.
5: Or Felix Jones.
10: Oh. We missed the boat and we didn't get the, the coach that we had. You know, the one from Springdale. What's his name?
5: Malzon.
10: Yeah, we messed up. Everybody yeah. knew we messed up then. That's egos. Malzahn. That's male egos. I think we need a female athletic director.
5: We had one, and we got Morrison.
10: I think we should have kept that female athletic record. They don't female athletic directors don't have egos as bad.
5: All right, that's that. That's a discussion for, for another, another time. time. We'll have a great time. Thank you. All right, I'll be back tomorrow, two o'clock. See you then.